Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the New Discourses podcast. This is James Lindsay. We're going to talk about the dialectic of social-emotional learning and the kind of the dialectical progression of leftist agendas in general. I know a lot of you are getting tired of all these social-emotional learning podcasts. Well, go do the work and end social-emotional learning so I don't have to talk about it anymore. This is an extremely important topic. And what I'm going to present today, I don't know if that's for sure where things are going to go. This was what I'm going to share with you is a document that was sent to Biden's Department of Education. It was written in 2020 by a very radical group called the Center for Just Schools Fund. It was sent in, they, they don't even call it a report, by the way, they call it a radport, a radical report, a radport. It's so radical that they have to make up a word for what they've written. And they sent it to Biden's Department of Education with a fancy cover letter in 2021, soon after he took office. And are they going to adopt it or not? I don't know. If we search on the Department of Education website, if we search in the Office of Elementary and Secondary Education, you find a lot of language kind of consistent with the idea of what they call in this rad port, a culturally affirming social emotional learning. Um, but you don't find anything terribly explicit yet. Um, so whether it goes there or not, this is going to represent the radical vanguard of the transformation of a leftist agenda. And I want to make it very clear that what we have is that everything that criticizes its previous thing in leftism is an advancement of that previous thing. It is not a repudiation of that thing. It is an, it is an advancement of that thing. So where we've heard, for example, Radical activists sometimes call social-emotional learning or even transformative social-emotional learning, which is the new explicitly Marxist, explicitly critical consciousness-raising version that emerged in 2019, calling it white supremacy with a hug. This is actually in this report. It is at least repeated. I don't think they coined it, but maybe they did. It is in this report, and it is that mentality that transformative social-emotional learning was a good early step in a progression toward ever more radical demands. And what we're going to find in this document is that they don't make suggestions or recommendations or lobby like Castle did before that. That's the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning. They're now making demands. And as they say in their document in nice bubble font, these demands came straight from the Black Panther Party, which is peculiar. They're adapted directly from the Black Panther Party. So this is what was sent to the uh, Biden Department of Education. Um, this was sent on May 19th, 2021 to Ruth Ryder, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy and Programs, Office of Elementary and Secondary Education. That's OESE. That's what I just mentioned at the U.S. Department of Education, which is, by the way, where on the DOE website you will find the most of this relevant language is on OESE, um, the Office of Elementary and Secondary Education. And, uh, it says at the beginning, I'm not going to read the whole letter. I'm going to, unfortunately, this will be a long episode. I apologize in advance, but I can't find almost a single sentence. And they're so-called radport not to talk about. And it's so revealing what the radical vanguard is. And before I read any of this letter, let me actually just make this really clear. What it, Things like this do, what, why they exist, what they exist to accomplish 
is to advance and stretch the Overton window to constantly give the idea that we haven't gone far enough. Whatever crazy radical thing there is, isn't far enough. It's already behind. It's already right wing. It's already white supremacy with a hug. It's already insufficient. Of course, their programs are going to be insufficient, but they can't let the insufficiently get blamed on their insufficiency. They have to constantly say that it wasn't implemented with enough radicalism. And so this Radport, as they call it, is designed, is sent to the Department of Education in all seriousness, is designed specifically to advance the dialectic of social-emotional learning. It is designed specifically to say that transformative social-emotional learning and CASEL, its parent organization, aren't radical enough. They're an okay first step. We're not going to throw them all the way under the bus, but they're not radical enough. They've got to be transformed even further. So at the ripe age of three years old, Transformative social-emotional learning is already seen as just a good first step. That's what this is going to be about. We're going to bend the arc of the narrative toward culturally affirming SEL, and maybe that one isn't the one that takes. Maybe there's something else. They're already talking all over the DOE website about culturally relevant social-emotional learning. How much of that adopts what this is, I don't know. Maybe that's a partial middle ground for the institution. Maybe it's just the incorporation of um, culturally relevant pedagogy into, which is just Ferrari updated to be CRT and queer theory. Uh, maybe that's it's just using that and it's something different. But this exists and is sent to constantly remind the progressively bending institution that it hasn't bent far enough. And as soon as this, if it were implemented in full, got implemented, the next thing would already be pushing. And that's the dialectic. And so the dialectic progresses, they say. That's the dialectic. The new thing they've put in is already insufficient. It's already right-wing. It's already white supremacy with a hug. And so you need something new and more radical. You have to revamp everything. You have to hire more consultants. You have to reinvigorate the grift. You have to destroy more children's lives. And it all has to point more and more and more toward radicalism. So this letter, and we'll come back to what the... the uh, the, I even forgot what it's called, the CJSF, uh, the Communities for Just Schools Fund, sorry. This letter sent to Ruth Ryder, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy and Programs at the Office of Elementary Education, Elementary and Secondary Education at the U.S. Department of Education, begins, Dear Miss Ryder, this letter is sent on behalf of the Communities for Just Schools Fund, our 60-partner organization's effort to promote school discipline, climate, safety, and pedagogy span more than 31 states, and have positively impacted millions of students, parents, and educators. We are writing in response to the notice published on the federal in the Federal Register on April 28, 2021, which is literally about three weeks later. Not even a full three weeks, actually exactly three weeks later, regarding the proposed priorities for the American History and Civics Education programs, including the Presidential and Congressional Academies for American History and Civics Academies and National Activities Program, Assisted Living Numbers, whatever, 84.422A and 84.422B. We write in support of the stated goals of supporting, quote, the development of culturally responsive teaching and learning and the promotion of information literacy skills. We recognize that the proposed goals are bold, necessary steps forward, and critical to ensuring that education systems are rooted in equity and justice. We also note that at a time where there is a legislative pushback in the states and locales across the country, the work to create inclusive, supportive, and affirming educational environments that nurture critical thinking, that's funny, yeah right, is even more urgent. 
Now is the moment for building and sustaining public education systems that prepare students for healthy and full lives. Okay, so they're going to push this. Now let me point out, they just said sustaining. There's a lot of things we could latch onto. Equity, justice, we heard all the fun words. Sustaining. When they say sustainable, they mean their programs are going to be sustainable. If they're tyranny, if they're awful, if they're destructive, it doesn't matter. They're going to have to be sustainable. That's one of their buzzwords. Everything is going to be sustainable. Everything is going to be sustainable. Okay, so let me tell you who the... Uh, Communities for Just Schools Fund is. Uh, I went to their website, and I'm going to give you a little bit of information about them. About us, Community for Just Schools Fund is a national collaborative. Aren't they always collaboratives? That links philanthropy, which means big money donors. Left-wing donors are dumping a river of money into this, as you're going to hear, with the power of grassroots organizing to transform schools. Now, let me give you a, a motto that you may not know is the leftist motto and how it works and what the right or any normal person, not even the right, should be using to combat this. They are think global, act local. So they get these local groups of activists that get massive funding dumped into them from globalist billionaires to think global, in other words, along the global agenda, but to act in local ways, and they're massively funded, and that's what this is. That's what this is described just here. That links philanthropy with the power of grassroots organizing to transform schools. Communities for Just Schools Fund. Can I just say that's a terrible name? Anyway, was started in 2010 by individuals in philanthropy who understood that in the ecosystem of education justice, grassroots organizers are the least resourced and most impactful. We are part of an arc that began with black parents in Mississippi demanding change in their schools. Their children were being pushed out of school, disproportionately disciplined, and arrested for reasons that defied explanation except as symptoms of a pervasive pervasive system of racial hierarchy. A movement was born to end the school-to-prison pipeline. So that's where they're organized. You see this feels very Black Lives Matter-y. Um, they say that they're community organizers. I'm not going to read all of the page. Uh, it's not even that long purpose to connect the power of communities with necessary resources. So it's to get money to activists in local uh, grassroots or astroturfed organizations. It's to astroturf activists on the local level. That's the purpose. That's what they say. To connect the power of communities with the necessary resources for the health and longevity of the nation's schools, the nation itself, and the world. They have a mission. We bring together the resources of philanthropy with the power of grassroots organizing. They astroturf local activists to ensure that schools welcome all students and nurture their full potential. Just in case somebody out there hasn't heard the term astroturf, astroturf is fake grass. We're talking about grassroots organizations. So astroturf is when you have a big corporation come in and lay down fake grass and call it grassroots. In other words, we have big entities like, I don't know, the Open Society Foundation or something run by George Soros that dump lots of money into making sure there are community organizers at the community level that look local, that look grassroots, that look like they act grassroots, but are actually part of a coordinated larger agenda. They have a goal, they have a vision, it's all the same, blah, 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 but I don't want to read that. You can go to the website yourself, CS, uh, sorry, CJS, Communities for Just Schools cjsfund.org slash about hyphen us. You can go to the site yourself. I just want to read this part, though, in addition. Currently, the Communities for Just Schools Fund includes support and participation from, remember their whole goal, their whole mission is to connect big money leftist global donors to apparent grassroots organizations. 
that are going to transform our schools for ending the so-called school-to-prison pipeline, in other words, CRT bullshit. Here's who they list as including support and participation from. The Andrus Family Fund, Annie E. Casey Foundation, the Casey Family Programs, the California Endowment, Charles and Lynn Schusterman Family Foundation, Grant Makers for Thriving Youth Policy Working Group, Seattle Foundation, Ford Foundation, oh, that's a big one, isn't it? Himes Foundation, Nathan Cummings Foundation, the NEA Foundation, pause, that's the National Education Association Foundation, that's the charitable arm of the Teachers Union. The Novo Foundation, another big one. The Oak Foundation shows up in a lot of dirty places. Public Welfare Foundation, Rakes Foundation, I think that's how you say that, R-A-I-K-E-S Foundation. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, a big one. Skillman Foundation, Tides Foundation, that's a big one. Advancing Girls, Stewart Foundation, Vocal with a Q, V-O-Q-A-L, Wellspring Philanthropic Fund. You notice this is a long list. William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, W.K. Kellogg Foundation, another big one, and Hill Snowdon Foundation. Okay, so what you don't hear on that list, surprisingly, for once, is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, but at any rate, we have some major, major funders. But we're not done with funders because I went to their, I went to their uh, Influence Watch. I don't know if you ever heard of Influence Watch, but it's a website that tells you who funds all of these things. Um, and so there's lots of information there, but they, I'll just read the two paragraphs under funding. Communities for Just School receives funding from, so we're going to hear some names that were not on that list, by the way, receives funding from, and you can track it all on that site. You can go to the influencewatch.org and look up Communities for Just Schools Fund and see what they have. Communities for Just Schools receives funding from left and center liberal grant-making foundations. The most notable among these organizations are Open Societies or Open Society Foundations, that made grants totaling 700000 since 2017, the Ford Foundation, that made grants totaling $5.65 million since 2015, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, that made tens of millions of dollars in grants to CJSF's parent New Venture Fund, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, that made grants totaling $1.6 million since 2016. The organization also received significant funding from numerous other left-of-center and liberal organizations such as the Arcus Foundation, an identity politics organization advocating for LGBT interests, the NEA Foundation, there's your teacher's union again, the 501c3 organization associated with the National Education Association, the larger, largest labor union in the United States, and the Novo Foundation, a left-of-center organization funded by Warren Buffett's son Peter, advocating for more lenient abortion legislation, LGBT issues, and liberal economic policy. It notes that the director the executive director, Allison R. Brown, for the Communities for Just Schools, previously worked as a civil rights attorney with the Educational Opportunities Division of the U.S. Department of Justice. She also served as a program officer for Open Society Foundations. That's George Soros. And it goes on uh, with other people. They also worked with the, another one, uh, Thena Robinson-Mock, is a program director. She worked for as a staff attorney for the New Orleans branch of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a controversial left-of-center watchdog of extremist groups. Uh, it's got ties to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, Californians for Justice, uh, the Black Organizing Project, which is in Oakland, and... Um, 
let's see, there was one other thing on here, uh, a fiscally sponsored project of neo-philanthropy. Uh, up at the top, though, it actually mentions this. It says Community for Just Schools Fund is a left-of-center entity that advocates for issues relating to public schools. The organization is fiscally sponsored, a fiscally sponsored project of New Venture Fund, a funding and fiscal sponsorship organization managed by the left-of-center consulting firm Arabella Advisors. If you don't know what that is, you need to find out. It's, you know, the gigantic, nefarious Coke network they used to talk about, and that was like the big, evil, dark money, right-wing, blah, 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 libertarian something. Arabella Advisors is the left-wing counterpart to that, and it's much bigger and much better funded and funds virtually everything you wish wasn't happening. The project has received hundreds of thousands of dollars in grants from the Open Society Foundation. We heard $700,000 actually, which compared to the rest of their grants isn't that much. A left-of-center private grant-making foundation founded by liberal mega-donor George Soros. And so, this is who the Communities for Just Schools Fund is. Let's go back to the letter. I'm not reading the whole letter. I'm not reading any more of their about page. Um, I want to skip down to a section in the letter, which is five or six pages long. Examples of our partners' efforts toward culturally responsive learning environments. So when we read that they have lots of culturally responsive stuff on the DOE website, subsequent to their receipt of this, we have to wonder, did they get swayed by this? Are they interested in this? Is this just a radical nut job group, which when you read the, or the document and look at the pictures in it, you think it must be, but... Is that, what is it? Did it influence the Department of Education? Is the Department of Education thinking in this direction? Is this how social emotional learning is going to evolve, forcing again, not just millions, but maybe a billion dollars or more in consulting fees to schools to revamp all their programs to this new thing, you know, within the next year or two? It's going to be competing unless it can integrate within it to, to, to match with the sustainable development agenda that SEL is being co-opted to push, as we've heard in other podcasts. Um, That's from the United Nations. This is something slightly different. But what they say here is work by our partners has led to greater understanding on the part of schools, communities, districts, and even state officials about harms perpetuated by flawed policies and practices. And in many instances has resulted in changes to these policies and practices. We strongly urge you to read CJSF's Reclaim SEL. This is the document I'm going to go through. Sadly, all of it, or nearly all of it. Centering, Organizing, Praxis for Holistically Safe Schools Radical Report, quote, Radport, crafted in partnership with our national network of partners. That's those big philanthropy groups we just talked about. The Radport illuminates examples of social-emotional learning as critical consciousness raising in organizing praxis. So let's not miss this point. What they told the United States Department of Education in no uncertain terms was, please read our report. Our report is based off of using social-emotional learning as a means of doing Marxist consciousness raising in organizing praxis, which means in doing theory and Marxist theory-informed radical activism. They are telling the Department of Education, if they have any brain in their head, this is an explicitly Marxist program, both in theory and in practice, and it urges in both directions. And the, the Department of Education obviously received this, but did they do anything with it? Well, they are warm to these ideas, so we must be concerned. What will happen also with consulting groups? Well, when we read the Radport, we'll see that these people are setting themselves up in competition to 
or to supplant castle, so that might be challenging for them. I don't know, but this is how the dialectic progresses. This is the radical vanguard on the front of social-emotional learning. We talked in WTF is SEL and talked about it's really weird, and apparently I didn't go deeply enough, we'll have to talk about A Course in Miracles later, really weird occult New Age uh, roots, and now we're talking about its potential development. And this is very radical activist, very uh, street BLM flavored. I don't know that they actually mentioned BLM, we'll see, I think they do, can't remember, but... Um, this is the flavor of that, which is slightly different. Um, they say it also includes CJSF partner reflections that serve as evidence. So their partner reflections serve as evidence relevant to culturally responsive, sustaining curriculum. We haven't covered culturally sustaining curriculum yet because I tried to read that book and thought it was the most insane friggin' thing I've ever read in my life. And I was like, there's no way I can't even cover this. It's too nuts. I might have to suck it up and try to go back to it. It is literally the craziest thing I've ever heard. But they say, including quote, schools should be where young people learn about themselves. Yeah, because that's what school is for is narcissism and people's history as liberatory practice aimed at communal freedom. This is communism. This is straight up communism. Young people are to go to school to learn about themselves and people's history, communism, as liberatory praxis. History is a developing practice of liberation when it's the people's history. That's communism aimed at communal freedom. Well, if you don't want to call that communism, you can call it Rousseauian French revolutionary uh, social contract theory or whatever you want to call it, but it's communism. It's the same thing. It's that we achieve freedom when the community is free by giving up our individual rights and liberties so that there is more freedom for everybody because nobody can violate anybody else's rights by having their own. It sounds stupid, right? Well, it turns out the dialectic is stupid. It's fake. It's how you create through destruction. It's magic. It doesn't work. We're also including several examples of our partners' work here. That means those um, philanthropies. These examples all speak to the imperative for greater investment in and support for school practices to effectively accomplish your stated goals for teaching and learning practices. A, to take into account systemic marginalization, biases, inequities, and discriminatory policy and practice in American history. B, incorporate racially, ethnically, culturally, and linguistically diverse perspectives and perspectives on the experience of individuals with disabilities. C, encourage students to critically analyze the diverse perspectives of historical and contemporary media and its impacts. D, support the creation of learning environments that validate and reflect the diversity, identities, and experiences of all students. We all know that all students means the ones that they think aren't being heard because everybody else's stories have already been told. If you didn't know that, that was the first phrase I ever heard that made me know that woke was dangerous. I heard a white woman tell a white a white. I should say white-collar woman with a master's degree tell a blue-collar man, white man, that his story didn't count because his story has been told. So some people's stories, all students, some people's stories don't count. If you have one of the privileged identities that was would have been labeled black by Mao Zedong, your perspective doesn't count. Your experiences don't count. If you're a white person, your experiences don't count unless you have critical consciousness. If you are a straight person, if you are a man, blah, 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 able-bodied, no, no, no. 
Those stories have been told. We tell those stories all the time. Only other stories have to be uplifted. We know how that works. But just to be clear about this bullshit phrase, when they say experiences of all or perspectives of all, they mean some. They mean that lots of them are already by default being told all the time, so the other ones have to be lifted and the ones that they don't want heard have to be suppressed. Exactly like the way Lenin said in State and Revolution in 1917 or 18 that democracy would work under his dictatorship of the proletariat. E. Contribute to inclusive supporting and identity-safe learning environments. Not safe learning environments where there's not, you know, dangerous things happening or kids getting beat up by each other. No, no, identity safe. What does that mean? Well, only certain identities are unsafe. We know what it means. So then they list some of their partners. I'm not going to go into this in detail. I'm not going to read it. Coleman Advocates. Um, there was a reason I wanted to do this. The Providence Student Union Teaching for Change the Zen Education Project, that's what the reason was. Teaching for Change and the Zen Education Project are named in more than 15 states' bills to ban their resources that get at the heart of the proposed priorities in American history and civics. So they, Teaching for Change, launched a Freedom Reads anti-bias book talk, and they want to push the Howard Zinn Radical Dismantle America program along with Teaching for Change, and they want to stop, they want to stop states from saying no more of this radical stuff. Okay, so I'm not going to read any more of the letter. I really wanted to point out that one line where they very, very explicitly tell us that this is about raising critical consciousness in organizing praxis. That's what the point of this is. That's what they sent to the Department of Education, which in an American institution, which should not be a Marxist institution, it should say, oh, whoops, hell no. Thanks for your letter, file 13. If you're young and don't know what that means, it's a code for the trash can. You can also call it the circular file, because trash cans sometimes are round. All right, this was written in 2020 by the Communities for Just Schools Fund, which they tell us on the cover is a national donor collaborative. This is all about the Benjamins, baby. That's all this is, is a national donor collaborative. It is a funnel. It is a proxy by which big money left-wing donors can dump money into an activist agenda that's very radical. The Communities for Just Schools Fund, it should say, is an astroturfed collaborative but it says National Donor Collaborative, that provides resources in support of community-led organizations. In other words, it's, ta-da, astroturfing. The document is, like I said, published in 2020. It's titled, Reclaim Social-Emotional Learning, Centering Organizing Praxis for Holistically Safe Schools, as I said in the uh, letter. And they call it a RADPORT, which is a radical report. Get it? RADPORT? Radical report? God, these people. Can they just stop? Now, pause for a minute to just soak in the hilarity of reclaim social-emotional learning. What does that mean? That's the title of their freaking report. What does that mean? That means they think social-emotional learning has already been co-opted away from them, and they have to get it back. It means that Castle, with transformative social-emotional learning dedicated to explicitly critical consciousness raising, explicitly to Ferrari's method of uh, humanization and transformation and conscientization, explicitly dedicated to those things, not behind the scenes, explicitly, openly dedicated to those things, has somehow been co-opted away from its full radical potential by existing and not being under the thumb of these harder core left-wing radicals. And so we already need to reclaim it. Now, I point out that they wrote this in 2020. Transformative SEL, which they identify by name in this, 
emerged in 2019. So within one year, the dialectic was progressing. The newest, most radical thing, most explicitly Marxist thing that they had dared to put out was already not only not radical enough to where they have to say something about it, but where we have to now reclaim social emotional learning. Now let's just pause further to laugh about this because transformative social emotional learning came from CASEL, the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning, C-A-S-E-L, kind of like culturally affirming social emotional learning is also C-A-S-E-L. You wouldn't want to like use the same acronym to kind of supplant it from within, would you? Uh, that might confuse people. Never mind. It emerged from CASEL. CASEL invented S-E-L. They named S-E-L in 1994 at the Fetzer Institute. We've covered that in the past and we know that. Okay, so Castle literally created social-emotional learning. It's literally their product. But somehow this radical group is going to attack Castle and say that they're going to reclaim it. Like it has some deeper essence, some perfected platonic form of social-emotional learning that has been captured by the organization that invented the freaking thing and stolen and co-opted away and become, in their words, they will say this, white supremacy with a hug. And they have to reclaim social-emotional learning. Think of what's happening here. Think of how these people think. This is ridiculous. It's actually Gnosticism and everything that has power and influence that they don't have under their control or that's not being radicalized further in line with whether you want to give it to Trotsky, whether you want to get to Alinsky, whether you want to give it to um, Freire, the perpetual cultural revolution. Everything that's not completely under their control is already a problem. It's already been stolen away, co-opted, turned necessarily right-wing, and now they have to reclaim it. That's, by the way, when they were trying to transform math into ethno-mathematics, the hashtag all over activist ed Twitter was reclaim math. Reclaim math. Like there was this ideal radical math out there in the universe that got captured up and turned into a uh, hegemonic bourgeois status quo agenda to reproduce. They have to reclaim math. Why is this Gnostic? Let me just go off of my favorite tangential hobby horse for a moment, because that's how Gnosticism thinks. Gnosticism thinks that there's a real perfect divine deity out there behind the curtain, but the one that we believe we interface with or that created our world is actually an evil demon called the Demiurge that imprisons us in this material world and denies us our recognition that we truly not are as gods, but are gods ourselves. And in fact, that we're co-continuous with God. And so there's this deeper spiritual truth to whatever the thing is that's been captured and put into a uh, perverse, mundane, fallen, and evil form by the Demiurge, which is mistaken to be a deity or a creator or a builder or a bourgeoisie class. And this, we have to reclaim from the ether, from the perfect realm, from the pleroma, it's called. We have to reclaim the platonic form of the thing before the Demiurge created a counterfeit that they feed us and use to trap us in it. And the Demiurge in Marxism and cultural Marxism and all the way down through woke is whichever class is seen as privileged or bourgeois, whichever one has the means of cultural production. Castle being a large organization with lots of funding that's now tied deeply to um, the Department of Education and other uh, educational outlets, huge amount of influence, huge amount of money, huge numbers of consulting contracts becomes part of that bourgeois apparatus. And social emotional learning, despite the fact that it was always their product, has a perfect essence behind that demiurge that they have to go reclaim. 
And that's what's going on here. And how are they going to do it? Centering organizing praxis. In other words, centering community organizing for activism. These are with your children. For what? Holistically safe schools. There's that holism. You remember I did that podcast on New Discourses Bullets recently? Holism, the holistic Marxism. Whole, 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 whole school, whole child, whole community, whole this, whole that. That's part and parcel. This is, if we go back to Hegel, interpreting the hermetic texts, you can't understand what's happening in the world unless you understand the parts in relation to the whole. So they focus on holistic thinking, which they then try to center themselves in, centering organizing praxis. Do you understand that if you know what you're looking at, all of that, all those words, holistically safe, what the hell does that mean? It means safe as viewed from a whole perspective. It's not safe in the narrow sense that people aren't getting shot or beat up. It's whole, it's safe in the holistic sense that there's no racism, that the that the structural powers that cause more subtle forms of harm are kept away from the poor students. That's what this is about. And now I have spent forever on page one of 58 of this document. Luckily, we can skip a lot of stuff. There's a lot of kind of boring pages. There's this about us. I'm not going to read all of the um, stuff on this opener. The about us, though, I will read. The Communities for Just Schools Fund is a national donor collaborative. So they tell you it's the same thing on their website. It provides resources and support of community-led organizations. It's astroturfing. It's all it means. That are working to ensure positive, safe, and supportive school climates that protect and affirm the inherent cultural dignity of all students. We know what that means now. We just talked about it. And foster the success of all students. Remember, all the privileged kids get all those things by default. So theirs has to, in fact, be suppressed while you elevate others so that all can have it. That's what it means. They dedicate it to Allison Brown. Allison L. Brown, you are the heartbeat of this work. That's the person in charge. Purpose skipping the acknowledgments and so on, in a moment where there is a national spotlight on what safe and supportive schools look and feel like. Communities for Just Schools Fund convened our national network of partners, youth, parent, and teacher-led organizing groups, that's groups of radical activists, kids, to press back on harmful narratives about safety, in particular, after some school shootings, they wanted to push back on school hardening, which means making schools, you know, secure in, in terms of fencing, uh, guards, armed teachers, for example, in Florida, uh, and so on. And instead place conversations about safety into the more holistic, appropriate container of culturally affirming social emotional learning, which I'll remind you didn't exist before 2020. They're going to put it in a container that they literally just made up. Through the year-long community of practice, that's, I don't know how a community of practice is temporal, through the year-long community of practice, which is a proper noun, we collected survey data from our partners, not from anybody else, about their work related to safety and SEL, conducted site visits to places like Long Beach, California, and Juneau, Alaska, hosted in-person and virtual learning exchanges, and facilitated a Twitter chat and held a hashtag SEL webinar series. That's one hashtag, hashtag SEL webinar series. All one word, you can look it up. I don't know what what's there, I haven't bothered. These gatherings, that's a gathering, a Twitter hashtag. These gatherings centered the critical perspectives of organizers. This is why these people are never gonna do anything. They went to a couple places, they had a couple of Zooms, they had a 
freaking Twitter chat, and they did a hashtag, and these are gatherings that they used to gain data. These gatherings centered the critical perspective of people who think exactly like us on everything. Oops, sorry, organizers, and gleaned important insights about what truly makes schools safe and ensures students feel in a, a sense of belonging. There's your magic word. Do we know what that means? It's the same thing as the all above. Only the kids who, you see, lots of kids automatically belong. You got to make the other kids belong by suppressing the belonging of the other kids and elevating the belonging of the kids you're favoring. The findings, for, which creates a dynamic, in, of course, in the school, it creates a dynamic of jealousy and resentment and a desire to get into the now artificially favored group because it has perks and out of the artificially disadvantaged group. It's the same thing Mao Zedong did with his red and black identities with the kids. You create an artificially disincentivized group and an artificially incentivized group, and it creates an incentive structure for kids to take up the activism and join the favored group and get the perks. The finding from this year-long exploration of culturally affirming SEL are detailed in this radical report, Radport. They're very proud of calling it a Radport. They do extensively throughout this document. In fact, now completely or solely. Across the country, school districts, researchers, and policymakers are adopting social-emotional learning as a framework to define and measure the set of skills students need to be successful in school and life. That's a true statement with a false premise at the end of it. However, these SEL conversations, practices, and curricula are too often based on white, heteropatriarchal, and ableist norms and values, which further enact emotional and psychological violence onto capital B black, capital B brown, and LGBTQ plus youth of color in particular. The, so it's already harmful. We're going whole hog into SEL and they're saying, no, 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 no. It's already filled with all the same uh, forms of structural oppression that we already fight. And so you have to give us more power. Woke is nothing else than saying, calling everything that you want to control oppressive until you control it. Do you understand that? That's the definition of woke. That's your layman's definition of woke. Woke means calling everything you wish to control oppressive until you control it. That's it. And that's what they've done. They want to control SEL and the implementation of it and the grant giving around it straight into their pockets. The current narrative around SEL is that young people must manage themselves and their emotions, conform and constrict their identities, and not express their fullest, most authentic selves. See, total liberation, right? But it can't be about control or self-control or self-management because that would constrict your identity. You can't be your full, most authentic self. In fact, you can't be angry. You can't throw a fit. You can't be a petulant little shit activist if you have to manage yourself. So all the things they're selling SEL on so that the public will swallow it, they don't want that. They want chaos. They want chaos agents who are going to be called change agents. Culturally affirming SEL, they tell us, asks critical questions. Of course it does. Of all of us. How do people relate to themselves? How do people relate to land? How do people relate to their community? Culturally affirming SEL is about reclaiming. Reclaiming our relationships with ourselves and our emotions, our ancestors, our spirituality, our creativity, our land, and our relationships with others. I'm getting really tired of people saying that there's not a First Amendment issue here. Here it is explicitly. It's about reclaiming our relationships to our ancestors and our spirituality. 
among all of the already Gnostic and Hermetic beliefs that the other aspects have, but they're not done. It's about resisting colonialism and capitalism by knowing ourselves and honoring the unique cultures, languages, and legacies that we come from so that we can celebrate the humanity in others to fight for a world rooted in equity and justice together. Okay, let's go back to the beginning of that sentence. It's about resisting colonialism and capitalism. When I put on Twitter the other day, as of this recording, it was a few days ago, that I was talking about reading a document about SEL, it's this document, and that I cannot understand how the people looking at stuff like this don't see that this is communism. And people were like, give me a million like smart ass responses. Oh, it's not really. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's very unobvious. You talk in too high of language. Really? I said to many people back to them, you haven't read the document. It's about resisting capitalism. That's the start of the friggin' sentence. It's about resisting capitalism. How can you not see that this is communism? They say, what does it mean to radically reimagine what schooling can be? It means following the organizers who have been fighting for policies and practices to make this a reality for decades. Okay, hang on a second. I hate to do this because I don't want this to take all night. What does it mean to radically reimagine what schooling can be? It means following the organizers. It means do what we say. How can we radically reimagine the schools? Do what we say. It means following the organizers. How do we radically reimagine what schooling? We. Who's the we? All of us? Royal we? Everybody involved? All the stakeholders, right? No, no, no. It means following the organizers who are resisting capitalism who are communists. Are you too thick to understand this? Or are you with me? This isn't hard. Okay, I'm not using big words. I'm not using academic jargon. When I say this is communism, I don't have to give you a fucking 20-page report. I don't need 90 citations. It's about resisting capitalism. How do we do it? By following the organizers. That's it. That's communism. Shut up. Listen to us. We're the vanguard. This is Leninism, my friends. Actually, it's Leninism, it's Maoism, and it's Marxism all at the same time. This Radport drink highlights examples of SEL from organizing praxis problematizes current SEL frameworks, especially when SEL is used as another form of policing and illuminates the connections between holistic safety and SEL. And then it shows a graphic of somebody with a, some a, looks like overweight black person holding a piece of paper that says everyone being heard. That's all it says on the piece of paper. It's the whole picture. There's lots of pictures in this that are extremely hard to read because they split across pages and that doesn't work on a PDF. So I will not really go into those. We begin with some big questions. And I mean, I mean, big, they're not big. They don't say that they're big. They're in gigantic letters on three questions, filling a whole page. How do people relate to themselves? How do people relate to land? How do people relate to their community? Then we have this gigantic picture about collective imagining as social manifestation. This is hermetic has all kinds of stuff on it, Octavia Butler, Soinaz, vision boards, what are what our people have always done. Curriculum is designed to build connection and build movements. It's multi-directional self, ancestors, land, community, 
starting and ending with questions. There's all this kind of stuff on the graphic. I can only see half of it from here. Uh, I think we'll try to cover some more of it, but it's very difficult to read this because it's split. But it says off to the side, imagine stepping into a school building and immediately feeling the warmth of meaningful relationships, colorful hallways, and critical inquiry. My friends in, um, in, in customer service would say, this is where they sell the dream. We'll deal with servicing the nightmare later. Young people co-lead lessons alongside educators. Doesn't that sound great? No, absolutely not. As they analyze science fiction texts and music videos about Afro-futuristic worlds. So you walk into a school and you see that, and what are you going to do? You're going to be happy? You want your kids to go to that school? Hell no, you don't want your kids to go to that school. Young people are co-leading lessons alongside educators as they analyze science fiction texts about mu and music videos about Afro-futuristic worlds. Like, get them the hell out of there. What the hell are you talking about? Together, young people and educators examine structural and systemic oppression. Oh, cheer for that. They don't learn a damn thing except how to look at power. In the historical narratives, in other words, Marxist distortions of those that see not historical facts, historical narratives that give way to the status quo. They identify ways to act in service of social justice based on their understandings of their strengths and expressions of knowledge. Young people develop campaigns and organize their communities as their teachers invite local organizations into the classroom based on student interests. Doesn't that just sound dreamy? Doesn't that sound friggin' great? And what, do we have, what else do we have on this uh, document? Yes, and resources, organize, pedagogical information. History is made by everyday people. You are cultural practitioners. Space to build power through listening campaigns. Youth-led town halls, arts and culture. Space to heal, uh, ritual and ceremony. Radical. The roots of our institutions require us to center healing. That means whatever they want. Classrooms as site of disrupting norms. Youth leading narrative change. Pronouns, check in, she, her. Oral histories, backseat ciphers. Somebody named Jessica Rucker. SEL must be culturally affirming. Otherwise, it is weaponized against students navigating a system not designed for them. Quote, I leverage the privilege of my age to lift up youth voices. Bus stop sermons on gentrification. Protest poetry. They're learning great shit. Community pride from I have to get out to I want to reinvest. Fun and laughter, joy as a liberatory practice. And then it shows these little plants in the same font and color. And in the bottom of the plants, the roots are hearts. And it says on the stems, redistributing wealth. Relationships are everything. But let's go backwards. Joy is a liberatory practice. Redistributing wealth. Attention, smart people. That's communism. Hello, McFly. Communism. I don't need to give you a 50-page thesis. I don't need to use big words. Redistributing wealth is on the fucking document. You might be able to tell that I'm annoyed with these people on the internet who think they're so goddamn smart. I'm real annoyed with them. Imagine stepping into a school building. It says the same thing. Um, actually, it doesn't. It says the same. Imagine stepping into a school building. It says the same introduction. And immediately feeling the warmth of meaningful relationships, colorful hallways, and critical inquiry. Parents direct scientific lessons about food and water justice. Those don't exist. 
Scientific lessons don't exist on that. Only the science exists on that. Parents direct scientific lessons about food and water justice and land sovereignty as they share their indigenous knowledge and language with a class. This Bill from Accounting. Here's his indigenous knowledge. There are lessons about radical self... Oh, wait. Bill from Accounting isn't going to be in the classroom, is he? And neither are his kids. There are lessons about radical self and communal care in a unit about the Black Panther Party's full history. Their vision board is really something, isn't it? Young people are encouraged to notice and observe their emotions, and there are spaces for them to meditate, reflect, move their bodies, or create art to express how they are feeling. They didn't say shit about learning math, does it? They are supported by counselors, nurses, social workers, and psychologists while processing their emotions and sustaining their overall well-being. Sounds like an insane asylum, doesn't it? It's literally an insane asylum. It's not a school. That's literally, if you like try to commit suicide as a teenager, they send you off to a facility that would be described almost exactly that way. They give you crayons and markers and let you draw, and they don't give you anything sharp. And they're supported by counselors, nurses, social workers, and psychologists while processing their emotions and sustaining their overall well-being. Doesn't this sound fantastic? This is their vision board. Each day begins with a talking circle. For, I told you I have to read this whole thing. It's unbelievable. Each day begins with a talking circle for young people to share their thoughts, opinions, and reflections. A talking circle. No math. As young people and educators practice wholehearted listening and find connections in their sharing, because none of them know math, they can't teach it, educators are supported in understanding their own emotions and provided with an ongoing training and mentorship. Young people, educators, school staff, parents, and all those who came into contact with the school building feel holistically, mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually safe. Nobody learns a damn thing. And the people who are like Bill's kids from Bill from Accounting probably don't feel that psychologically safe, but that's because they're fragile and lack resilience, which will be taught to them through the social-emotional learning. Shut up and take your brainwashing, Johnny. This is their vision board, by the way. We aren't to the nuts and bolts. This is what they, this is like, dream it with me. This is insane. They, I want you to picture these people. They wrote this. They published this. They put money and effort into this from all those billionaires that gave them money to do this. And then they sent it to the Department of Education with a straight face. They thought, yes, I'll send this to the Department of Education. That's a great idea. And the Department of Education was probably like, oh boy, I don't know that for sure, but I, things go one way. This, they tell us, is the true promise of SEL. That vision board they just described is the pr true promise of SEL, that it can be a tool for creating school spaces that are nurturing, safe, and affirming. Nothing about learning. Not a damn thing about learning. Nobody's reading. Nobody's writing. Nobody's doing math. History is a distortion. Doesn't matter. Science is apparently about climate action. There's no real science. It's just what CNN told him or whatever. Or George Soros, maybe, through his $700,000 he gave him. This is the true promise of SEL. Another about learning. School spaces are nurturing, safe, and affirming. They meet an exact description of being an insane asylum for teenagers particularly for capital B black and capital B brown students and LGBTQ plus students of color. See, not even the white LGBTQ plus students. They just, they got left out there. It's safe for these groups in particular. SEL can be used as a tool to create learning environments that are rooted in equity and deep relationships. Deep relationships, by the way, is a new age spiritual word. 
You should look into the deep learning initiatives and the deep relationships initiatives. It's all the same occult stuff that we talked about in WTF as SEL. SEL is a more appropriate container for safety than the harmful narratives that, for too long, have privileged school hardening. So that's going to be their enemy, their big boogeyman. The troubled narrative about safety. This is the first big section. The United States has a long and violent history of using schooling as a mechanism for demanding conformity and perpetuating racism. Capitalism. Alert, alert, alert. James is using big words to say that it's communism. Perpetuating racism, capitalism, heteropatriarchy, and other forms of oppression. Schools have been sites of colonization where they try to strip young people of their culture and language. During the late 19th and mid-20th centuries, indigenous young people were ripped from their communities and brought to boarding schools to assimilate them to Eurocentric culture. I like to think about this. I understand that that was pretty bad. Colonialism was pretty bad. But also, the people who were colonized, I hate to put it this way, and be honest, lost the war. There was a war for territory. We don't really do those things that much anymore in the world. We see them as barbaric. 300 years ago we didn't. 200 years ago we didn't. They were kind of standard fare. I'm glad we don't see them that way. But they lost the war. And rather than just being utterly obliterated, many of them were sent to boarding schools to assimilate them into the culture. Let's try to be more humane in our complete conquest. They didn't Genghis Khan these people and just utterly decimate and destroy them all and rape all the women. They didn't do that. They did this instead. Whoops. Often, Christian missionaries who acted as teachers and administrators forced indigenous young people to cut their hair, a source of identity and pride, and exchange their traditional clothing for uniforms. Colonizers punished them for speaking in their indigenous languages. This psychological and emotional policing attempted to erase their culture. It was also over a hundred years ago, and you're still pissed off about it. It was over a hundred years ago. We can't go back and undo the past. We can apologize. We can say that that was wrong. We can say we are glad that we don't do that anymore. We can try to figure out what to do going forward, but we can't go back and change it. But they dredge it up again and again and again, and I guarantee you, there is nothing that is going to be enough because they can just keep bringing this out and saying it's not done because they don't care. Do you think communists are going to help indigenous people? No, they're grifting off of them. They're grifting off of them, just like they grift off of capital B and capital uh, black and capital B brown people and LGBTQ plus people. There are activists hiding behind groups of human beings who they will exploit to take and gain power that they will then use to abuse those same human beings when it gets around to the other side. How do I know? Fact check. Every communist organization and nation in history has done it. They always do it. Now, they say, the punitive nature of schooling persists. See, so they tell you this thing about something that happened a hundred and something years ago, and they say, things are basically the same. No, they're not, but that's the dialectic, isn't it? It's taking opposing things and pretending that they're the same in kind and opposite in degree. And then you try to blend them together into one synthesized understanding. That's the dialectic, right? Except what I actually just described is called the hermetic principle of polarity. And so we know that the dialectic is actually hermeticism. And I keep telling you guys, this is a mystical religion. It's a cult religion. But anyway, now the punitive nature of schooling persists. What I call the dialectical inversion, that's what they're doing here. It's the same as all that bad stuff before. But we have a different plan. We understand it and you don't. 
particularly to surveil and police capital B black and brown young people and their communities. LGBTQ youth of color are now on the list. As early as 2007, school districts began arming teachers. The 2018 Parkland, Florida and Santa Fe, Texas school shootings led the Trump administration, big bad name there, to appoint a new federal commission on school safety. The commission's report called for more school hardening, including arming trained teachers and staff. With school hardening, students, especially black and brown students, are traumatized and re-traumatized. They don't say how, but they say that it's true. School hardening shifts the narrative from young people being learners to them being regarded as threats. Well, some of them are threats. That seems to be a big problem that the left wants to solve by taking away everybody's guns. They don't want to deal with the fact that maybe we should get rid of the restorative justice programs and the inclusive classroom pro- uh, practices that are actually causing the problem. They don't want to deal with that. You should read Why Meadow Died. It's about the Parkland shooting. It'll tell you exactly that what they're saying here is a gigantic steaming pile of crap. But we got to get Death Santis in on this story. So they say Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed Florida Senate Bill 7, uh, sorry, 7030 or 7030 into law on May 5th, 2019, which included a provision for teachers to carry guns in classrooms. This bill also gave school boards the power to establish guardian programs without local sheriff's approval and allowed schools to con- uh, contract contract with security companies. That's the, I think they're called Guardian Angels or something, the Angels program. I strongly recommend you look up Tina Deskovich from Moms for Liberty. She went through that training, and you should hear her story about going through that training and how rigorous it is. She was a school board member in the relevant county. And before there was going to be any school hardening, she wanted to know what is this training about. And so she went through it herself. And she tells an amazing story about what it was like to go through it and what's required and why she's actually extraordinarily behind it after having done that. Which means her lived experience doesn't count, right? Her story doesn't count because it's the stories of all, which isn't her. Lastly, this bill gave the state commissioner of education more power to punish school districts that don't comply with the new safety laws. After the Parkland shootings, the Lawrence County, Georgia school board was the first in Georgia to take advantage of the 2014 Georgia Guns Everywhere law bill, which provided Georgia districts the authority to arm teachers. These jarring efforts are not anomalies, but rather examples of the frightening reality of school hardening. I saw no frightening anything. Responsible people who are well-trained are allowed to, I saw where they just said that it traumatizes and re-traumatizes black and brown kids. Like school shootings don't, like violence in the classroom doesn't, like turning the whole thing into a, you know, huge war zone with no classroom discipline doesn't. No, this is nonsense. These people are, these people are cracked. They're, well, they're communists. They're just liars. Communist? Liar. Communist liar. But James, how do you know they're communists? It doesn't say... It did say. It doesn't say the word communist. It says they're going to be against capitalism and that they're going to redistribute wealth. Black young people are more likely than any other racial or ethnic group to attend schools with police presence. School hardening uses different tactics. What confounding variables statisticians might be involved in that statement, if it's even true? It might be true. Probably is true. A lot of black... Uh, young people are going to schools in cities that are uh, noted for being dangerous, and they do have security present. But anyway, what confounding variables are left out of that horrifying statement? That's what these people always do. Correlation impri- implies causation when it favors their needs and not otherwise. 
statistics prove whatever they need them to prove without any context when it suits their needs and not otherwise, etc. School, that's called the science. See, what it is, is it means facts loosely interpreted and sometimes made up are going to be interpreted through what uh, Hegel called Vernunft or reason. James is using big words again. Marx called the scientific socialism, the Wissenschaft, Leitscher, Socialismus. Oh no, he said German. Whatever. Plato called uh, scientia or uh, episteme. They're going to be translated through some understanding lens, and that's going to uh, make sure that they are interpreted and understood correctly. So here's a statistic. It has to be interpreted correctly according to the activist agenda, and that's how it's going to be get used. Don't ask further questions. Do not talk about confounding variables. That would be to reinscribe racism and to traumatize and re-traumatize. You would cause harm. That's how they work. School hardening uses different tactics, such as state-of-the-art surveillance technology, metal detectors, and physical environments that mirror prisons such as being surrounded by metal fences. School districts are investing millions of dollars to target-hardened schools. Some of these practices include expensive surveillance systems, facial recognition software, bulletproof whiteboards, and other fortified entries. I don't know that bulletproof whiteboard, any of those are fortified entries, but fortified entries means doors that are fortified. What is also troublesome is the number of schools that invest in school resource officers. Yeah, that's very troubling. What the hell? Our partner, because of course, anything that's the police is something that they don't want. You know how that works. The partners describe how many uh, SROs, student or school resource officers, use intimidation tactics. Their partners describe that. They're the activists, which... They straight up make shit up, so who knows? They misinterpret everything. They even already misinterpreted a statistic right in front of us. But they use intimidation tactics, both verbal and physical, to threaten young people's safety. Really. I'm pretty sure their job is to maintain people's safety. This is, reminds me of when, my, when one of my daughters came home from school, and we found out that she had a very strict teacher. In fact, it was a very popular teacher among parents because the teacher was very strict and tended to get good results out of the students. And the only thing my daughter could call her was mean. She did not like this teacher. This teacher was mean. She's mean. She's mean. She wasn't mean. She's strict. That's what it sounds like I'm dealing with. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like I'm dealing with an entitled eight-year-old. In addition, they tell us there is no empirical research that confer- confirms that school hardening techniques make schools safer. Well, seeing as they just started a few years ago, Research show, we should, we should ask if there's any, uh, instead of this question that we should, I don't want to be a what about her, but we should really ask, is there any evidence that restorative justice or inclusive classrooms make schools safer? No, there's not. There's the opposite. <laughs> Read why Meadow died. Take the time. Research shows that referrals to school police and other disciplinary measures are at the classroom teacher's discretion, both implicit and explicit bias, as well as overt racism. There's their interpretive lens. That's what we call lensing this situation. It's a systemic racism that causes things to happen the way that they do. Govern classroom proceedings. Nationally, or sorry, I'm a little tired. Nationally, black students make up about 17% of enrollment in schools that referred students to law enforcement, but were 26% of students who were referred. So now we have a pair of statistics. We have no context around those statistics, so it must be systemic racism. It's the racism of the gaps argument, yet again. Additionally, that's what systemic racism is. It means everything that we can call racist so that we can gain control over something is racist. Uh, and don't ask further questions because it would be racist and it would traumatize and re-traumatize if you ask those questions, so shut the hell up. Additionally, 
black young people are more likely than any other racial or ethnic group to attend schools with police presence, which they had in bold a second ago. Policing in the South began as patrols to interrogate, intimidate, and return enslaved Africans. What the, what does that have to do with a school resource officer? Policing in the South began as patrols to interrogate, intimidate, and return enslaved Africans to plantation. That has nothing to do with anything about policing in at least 70 years or 60 years or whatever since the Civil Rights Acts have been passed. Nothing. Slavery hasn't been in the, even in the South since 1865. Policing in the South began as patrols to interrogate, intimidate, and return enslaved Africans to plantations who escaped. Why is that there? Oh, because they have to gin that crap up because they want to pretend that what's happening with school resource officers is the same because of their misinterpreted statistics that only activists, government officials, and fucking morons believe. In essence, the police force used violence to uphold the system of enslavement. In the 1960s, police presence and punitive disciplinary measures were used to stifle the Black Power Movement and the Black Panther Party. They invoke some real interesting things there, don't they? It's a big difference from slavery. Big difference. Big moral valence difference with the Black Power Movement and the Black Panther Party. In the 1980s, policing became a cruel tactic to imprison black and brown people through, quote, tough-on-crime initiatives. They're insinuating or just stating that those initiatives were racially motivated. Were they or not? I don't know. I hear it said all the time. I don't know what the evidence says, and I know that we can't actually find out, because that would be racist to actually find out. And if it was, that was in the 80s. We've been nothing but becoming the most tolerant society on the freaking planet. So this is horseshit. It is by no coincidence that history repeats itself, they tell us. None of this makes sense. Organizers like the Black Organizing Project, BOP, in Oakland, California, have been organizing to eliminate school police officers for over a decade. They develop, they're frustrated because they're doing something retarded for over a decade and it doesn't work. They developed a people's plan, sounds communist, that demanded that the Oakland Unified School District divest from police in schools and reinvest uh, in support for whole child initiatives and young people with disabilities. The People's Plan is SEL in Motion. Oh, really? SEL in Motion is the People's Plan? How communist it sounds. Leaning into social awareness to research, discuss, and acknowledge the historical context and develop action-oriented solutions to address a persistent problem that is policing. Okay, so can you hear the Marxism, folks? I hope so. Historical context is how you have to understand how everything's happened by this terrible historical analysis of causes they just gave us to develop an action-oriented, an activism, a praxis-oriented set of solutions to address what they consider to be a persistent problem that's not one. In the Denver Public Schools' resolution to eliminate school-based police officers, they noted DPS has an obligation to promote the healthy development of each one of its students as Denver Public Schools which includes protecting them from the impact of systemic racism to the greatest extent possible while they are at school. Really? They have an obligation to protect them from the impact of something made up that's literally a Marxist interpretation of the circumstance. This resolution was a result of the powerful organizing uh, partners like Padres y Jovenes Unidos, fathers and children or young people 
United. The Milwaukee Public School Board unanimously passed resolution 2021R, so 2021R-003, to end all contracts between the Milwaukee Police Department and Milwaukee Public Schools. Additionally, this resolution ceased any contracts to buy or maintain criminalizing equipment, including metal detectors, facial recognition software, and social media monitoring software. So is this history repeating itself, that they're undoing these things? This victory resulted from two and a half years of organizing on the part of one of our partners, Leaders Igniting Transformation, LIT, in a statement on the win, Executive Director Dakota Hall p- proclaimed, This is not the end of our fight. See, when they win, it's already the new right wing. This is not the end of our fight. We will continue to work to hold public institutions and systems accountable, meaning under their thumb, for their over-policing and racist practices and procedures that have harmed BIPOC, BIPOC communities for centuries. doesn't matter if they're harming them now, it's harmed them in the past. Historically marginalized is marginalized historically forever. This work does not stop tonight. See, they got their they got what they wanted. This work does not stop tonight. It is time we all take our activism for black and brown lives to the next level. Paulo Freire tells us when you achieve your cultural revolution, the next step is further conscientization and more activism. You cannot satisfy this. There is no limiting principle. In fact, it has an anti-limiting principle. Any principle that would limit it, it would limit it has to be rejected as racist and status quo and capitalistic, etc. The decision is another drumbeat in the march toward true safety for black and brown students. It's really weird that they tried to tell us that history repeats itself, and then they talk about how there's all those problems, and then they tell us about how actually they're overturning school districts. So then there's a picture of one of their stupid protests. Everybody looks like a freaking slob. Somebody's in sweatpants. They're all wearing t-shirts. They're holding ugly signs. In the South... Nolly Jenkins Family Center has been transforming lives through their work to nurture the next generation of leaders, end corporal punishment, and stop Mississippi's school-to-prison pipeline. Just a note to Benet, it's not known that there is a school-to-prison pipeline. This is a thing that is highly in question as to whether or not it exists. Noel Jenkins Family Center successfully organized for an end of corporal punishment in Durant, Mississippi Public Schools, the first jurisdiction in Mississippi to do so. CJSF partners, many of whose freedom dreams like Harriet's, like Ida's, like Septima's, have marked the path toward the possibility of police-free schools for years. As school districts across the country end their contracts with police, our partners continue to organize around what safety should look like, social-emotional support, nurses, school psychologists, social workers, culturally affirming pedagogy, and family-community school collaborative partnerships. Nice kitchen sink there. What we've seen, however, is how SEL practices, including restorative justice and mindfulness, have been co-opted and weaponized against black and brown young people. Of course they have. Now, in the midst of a global pandemic and continued racial injustice in the United States, policing persists. What a groundbreaking statement. Even during emergency remote learning, black and brown young people are not safe from policing in their own homes. Grace, a 15-year-old black girl in Michigan, was sent to juvenile detention for not doing her homework. I could click on this link and find out what that story is. I bet it's sus. A black 7th grader, Isaiah, in Colorado, played with a Nerf gun during class in his school called the police. He was suspended for five days and received a documented record with the Paso County Sheriff's Office saying that he brought a firearm to school, even though it was a toy in his home. It's worth looking into what that is. Both young people have disabilities, an intersection of their identities that must be named. 
because positionality, blah, blah, blah. Classroom Zoom rules have been circulating the internet that proclaim rules such as find a quiet place, free from distraction, video needs to remain on to promote focus, eye contact should be maintained and refrain from chewing gum, eating and drinking in front of the camera, end quote. Young people in some cases are asked to wear their school uniform on camera. This control tactic mirrors punitive school dress code policies in school buildings that disproportionately affect black and brown young people, namely black and brown girls and transgender nonconforming youth of color. Of course it does. In Gwinnett County, Georgia, a teacher was chastised by the district for displaying a Black Lives Matter poster during her online class. Good. Eleven students addressed the school board, chiding their hypocrisy of issuing a statement professing the need to address racial equity, but citing the poster as a distraction. This policing is not new, but rather in virtual learning spaces it is so insidious that this is just a new iteration. See, it's not new. It's just like the slave patrols to tell them not to have a Black Lives Matter poster up on the wall behind them when they're doing their Zoom call. Same thing. School, po- school policing is not only physical, but emotional, psychological, and intellectual. When young people don't see themselves reflected in the curriculum or learn deficit narratives about their community's contributions, which that's an interpretation, but this gets real, it is a form of, quote, spirit murdering. Spirit murdering gets invoked here. In 1987, legal scholar Patricia Williams conceptualized the term spirit murdering to describe the product of racism that not only inflicts harm and pain onto black and brown people, but kills their spirits. You know, like the demoralization that they do to everybody under communism. Everybody who's like, please don't do this. Please stop. Why are you doing this? And they say it's not happening and they gaslight you. You know, all that demoralization Yuri Bezdemov talks about, all that demoralization to where you feel no hope and you black pill and you see no way around it and you're just utterly disgusted and you don't know what to do and you're afraid that's not spirit murdering guys maintaining the status quo spirit murders people who are communists are going to cry about everything all the time iron law vogue projection never misses and if it's not bad enough that we're going to invoke patricia williams in this concept it's going to go straight to crazy town as dr bettina love applies it to education this is the quote spirit murdering of black and brown children because there is a denial of their humanity through punitive discipline that disproportionately affects them in school curriculum and a teaching force that doesn't reflect them see the exact opposite of what they teach us is actually correct if you actually treat every child as an individual regardless of who they what their background is then there is no disproportionate anything. It's only when you start taking this into account that there are disproportionate. But of course, they tell you that there are all these hidden systemic explicit and implicit biases, they said. How do they know? Because they made a fake test that finds them all over the place. Partners like the Providence Student Union in Providence, Rhode Island, have developed campaigns to include ethnic studies as a core component of their curriculum. They worked with their school department to create a curriculum that was more reflective of their community uh, through student-facilitated meetings, great, and direct actions. That's a Marxist phrase, my friends. That is a Marxist phrase. Direct action is when they actually go out and participate in activism. Like rallies outside of the Providence School Department, they use the powerful statement, quote, or sorry, hashtag, our history matters. It's so powerful. This is a statement. As our partner, Girls for Gender Equity, noted in their report, The Schools Girls Deserve, quote, youth stated, youth stated, youth, youth, not any particular youth, just youth, all the youth maybe, 
Youth stated that the limited representation in the curriculum was a form of violence because it made them feel disconnected and less valued by the school. End quote. You mean alienated? Because it's Marxist. Estranged from their own learning. Oh, that would be Marxist phrasing. Teacher organizers through Teaching for Change, Zen Education Project, Marxist, Marxist, and D.C. Area Educators for Social Justice, Marxist, created campaigns to teach reconstruction, teach the black freedom struggle, teach Central America, and teach climate justice. These campaigns, where the hell climate justice got worked into that? There, there you go. It's about racism, climate justice. These campaigns encourage educators to teach outside the textbook. Okay, big, big aside here. You're going to go, I want to see the curriculum. Let's FOIA the curriculum. I want to look at it. Whoops, most of the curriculum or much of the curriculum the schools use now is supplementary curriculum that's proprietary and you can't see it. It would violate copyright to show it to you and you can't FOIA it because it's supplementary curriculum. They encourage teachers to teach outside the textbook and introduce young people to people's history. People's history. This is communism. And the history of resistance. Whoops. Communism. To further spark social justice movements. Whoops. Communism. If the curriculum is emotionally and psychologically violent to black and brown students and completely erases the resistance of their ancestors, yeah, that's not what happens. How are schools leaning into fulfilling the core competencies of social and cultural awareness? How can schools be places where young people can recognize their strengths if the curriculum is oppressive? See, they're doing a struggle session on existing social-emotional learning programs. How can you take perspectives, respect others, and appreciate diversity if the curriculum and the actual school infrastructure only highlight a history that presents the United States as the victor rather than for the violence, colonization, and looting that this country was founded on? Is that what you send your kids to school to learn? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. These are critical questions. Yes, they are. That must be asked when examining school curriculum as a tool for incorporating SEL into classrooms. Big, big letters. We see examples of hardening schools and violent school curriculum that violent school curriculum that end up creating unsafe environments for students. Students of color, especially black and brown children, whom we're hiding behind as human shields, face the brunt of these initiatives. It doesn't say the human shields part. I might have added that part. How do we move toward holistically safe schools? They get a whole page to itself. Now we have another graphic with some side words in 2019 through 20. Communities, or whatever the hell it's called, Just Schools Fund, for Just Schools Fund, brought together our national network of community organizing partners, AstroTurf, to foster conversations about and make connections between holistic safety and SEL in schools using a constructivist approach. Oh, really? Oh, really? Using a constructivist approach to knowledge sharing and development. See, knowledge is constructed these days. We don't learn facts. We construct knowledges together, which means we construct bullshit together and call it knowledge and pat ourselves on the back. And what's the knowledge? It's the interpreted Marxist framing, race Marxism, queer Marxism, doesn't matter which Marxism. We're going to construct knowledges about our lives together, the real context of our lives. In this instance, the practitioners are education justice organizers from CJSF's partner network. Oh, you mean the big philanthropy organizations 
practitioners whose lived experiences as students, I guess it means that they're, they're, they're so-called AstroTurf grassroots people, practitioners whose lived experience as students, family members, and educators in public schools form one part of the rich, deep expertise they individually and collectively offer. So the professional expertise and lived experience, I guess, are not the important part. They have critical consciousness, y'all. The community of practice was designed to highlight partners' work, create space for connection and synergy, that sounds fun, across groups, and to equip ourselves with the knowledge and tools to connect existing organizing efforts to SEL and safety conversations. Um, <clears throat> there's a weird picture that says, let's see, respect equals compassion on a note card and, com and caring about protecting people's caring about and protecting people's safety on another note card. What is social-emotional learning? This work took us to places like Long Beach, California. They're doing great on the definition, right? This work took us to places like Long Beach, California to learn from Californians for Justice, oh, a Marxist organization, about their relationship-centered schools model. Alaska to learn about how the Association of Alaska School Boards is embedding cultural safety into their policies and practices. Sounds like the Alaska, what is it called? The Association of Alaska School Boards needs to be investigated and exposed. Doesn't it? You wouldn't think Alaska. Somebody should look into that. Minnesota, well, that's fucked, to learn from the Twin Cities Innovation Alliance about liberatory and human-centered community data use in schools. Human-centered, really? Mm, humanism, like Marx said. Liberatory. Yeah, because it's Gnosticism and it's Marxism, because they're the same thing. And Albuquerque, New Mexico, to learn from Southwest Organizing Project and Rockaway Youth Task Force about how they use relationship with land as SEL. That's why you send your kids to school, isn't it? CJSF and our partners conducted a deep dive together. I'm sure it was very deep. What'd you do, another freaking Twitter, Twitter chat? About culturally affirming SEL through in-person and virtual learning exchanges, site visits, webinars, Twitter chats. No shit, it says that. Conference calls and the final development. Do you see how they like try to make it sound like they do work when they don't actually do work? We had Twitter chats. Conference calls, they put that in their report, Twitter chats. And the final development of this rad port to share the year-long learning process. We collected survey and phone call data from our national network of partners, not from other people. They're stakeholders. Don't you understand how that works? Only their opinions count. Yours don't. Doesn't matter if you hold a stake. This is education for all, where all means that you already got yours, and so other people have to, and they're the only real stakeholders. Do you understand how it works? We collected survey and phone call data from our national network of partners to better understand how they define and do culturally affirming SEL work in communities every day. We convened 40 plus of our partner groups to engage in critical dialogue, examine and deconstruct SEL frameworks and create space to dream and strategize together. Oh, they dream and strategize together. Have they defined social emotional learning yet? No, they told you how hard they pretended to work for a year on generous grants from left-wing donors. The next section of the RAD report details the stories we collected. They probably talked on the phone to each other, you mean? Analysis of the data from conversations and presentations and major themes from how our partners conceptualize and exemplify SEL practices in their daily work. They did not yet define SEL in the section about defining SEL. Why SEL? Whoops, we had a new section. Research shows the positive effects of social-emotional learning. Well, we trust research here. James Lindsay certifies that all the research that you might make up can get published. We trust research here. 
For young people in particular, evidence highlights how young people with strong social and emotional skills have better school outcomes. Okay, but it, does it highlight the fact that when you grind them into the ground with equity lensed so-called social-emotional learning bullshit, that the, no, they don't do better. They're depressed, they're anxious, and they're failing because they haven't learned any math. So what they're doing here is playing the bait-and-switch. I did that podcast too, the SEL bait-and-switch. They sell you on something that they're not doing to implement something that's different that they're going to do. E.g., they say, improve test scores, grades, attendance, and graduation rates. So notice what they said, though. They didn't say the social-emotional kids that went through social-emotional learning programs, right? They did not say that. For young people in particular, evidence highlights how young people with strong social and emotional skills have better outcomes. Increased confidence, healthy relationships, and a stronger connection to school. They didn't tell you that SEL makes that happen. And we all know it doesn't. Safe and supportive school climates positively affect academic, behavioral, and mental health outcomes for young people. This is a true statement where they mean something different by the words safe and supportive. Truly safe and supportive school climates do that. They create a sense of psychological safety, which is where learning and exchange can actually happen. When you distort the meanings of safe and supportive to be culturally affirming, you're no longer doing that. To be inclusive classroom and restorative justice, you're actually not creating a safe and supportive school climate. You're taking safe and supportive, using it as a brand name like the science, and stamping it onto something that is not those things. And then they say, well, when we have a safe and supportive environment, things come out better. True statement that doesn't apply to what they're doing. Just like the previous statement was a true statement. Kids with better social-emotional skills do better. True statement doesn't apply to what they're doing. This is how they get you. This is the trick. Importantly, did I skip anything? No, I didn't. Okay, sorry. Importantly, SEL helps build and sustain schools centered in connectedness, transformative justice, and holistic safety. Importantly, no, no, they did not say that SEL supports any of the things they just talked about. And in fact, the things they've offered are not the things they just talked about. Connectedness, holistic safety, which is the word they friggin' made up. It literally means safety against systemic issues, but they haven't actually told you what it means. They just keep using it. But they have not actually said what this word, this phrase means that they made up. Holistic safety. If it was real safety, they could just call it safety, which they usually bother to do. But now they have holistic safety which they've made up. But transformative justice, they didn't mention that anywhere. There's nothing, there's no research showing transformative justice makes better outcomes. But that, importantly, is what SEL helps you do. This is such fraudulent shit. It's unbelievable. But the DOE can't read this and say, no, this is obviously fraudulent shit. None of this lines up because that would be racist. It would traumatize and re-traumatize black and brown youth of color and LGBTQ youth of color. For black and brown young people specifically, they tell us traumatic experiences, see, such as police brutality, which turned out to be mostly fabricated stories, and the influx of racist incidents that flood the media timelines without justice. Well, there was justice if you were talking about George Floyd, and what the hell are you talking about? Well, actually, there wasn't because the Democrats still haven't closed the border, and fentanyl is what killed George Floyd, but you're not allowed to say that. Um, so there is no justice for George Floyd, but this is what Media timelines are stressing kids out, therefore this... Hmm. Hmm. What the media is so good, right? If it bleeds, it leads, they say. So there's all this stress. Traumatic experiences from media timelines without justice are present in their everyday interactions and inside a space supposed to educate and liberate them. No, 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 no. School's not supposed to liberate a damn person. That's not what schools are for. Educate, yes. Liberate, no. 
schools often exacerbate the trauma and stressors of the world. Yes, growing up is hard. School is hard. Learning is hard. Failing is hard. Social relationships with a bunch of, a bunch of kids you barely know, hard. Some of that's difficult. Learning to work through that without a communist telling you how to get through it, good for you. Mental health services are scarce in schools across the country. God, I wish that was true, and it needs to be truer. Schools shouldn't be providing mental health services. They're schools. They're not insane asylums. When did we lose our minds and forget that? The average counselor-to-student ratio across schools is 464 to 1. Even though the American School Counselor Association, is that a captured organization? I bet it is, recommends a minimum of one counselor for every 250 students. The lack of school social workers, school psychologists, and nurses is also jarring. Why are we building an insane asylum for children or are we working on schools? Why have we lost track of what schools are supposed to do? Oh wait, because they're supposed to become one-stop shops and they're the WISC model, whole school, whole child, whole community that provides all their health care, mental health care, etc. To teach the whole child. You don't even need parents anymore. Simply adding these positions is not enough. Of course it's not. Fucking nothing's enough for you people. Counselors, school social workers, school psychologists and nurses, guess what, guess what, guess what? Must also be actively anti-racist and anti-bias and use culturally affirming practices in their work. They also have to be Marxists. Do you understand what they're trying to do to our schools and thus our children? Research shows us, here comes another lie... Another true statement that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Research shows us that stress makes it difficult to learn. <laughs> well, pulling from research in neuroscience, that's real smart stuff, by the way, so you have to take it very seriously. Certain parts of the brain are responsible for understanding, noticing, and expressing emotions. Thanks, Professor. The amygdala in the brain processes emotions, stores memories of emotional reactions to, a certain, to certain situations and stimuli, and reacts to stress in a way that makes it nearly impossible for the brain to retain information. Okay, let me tell you what's happening here. Let me just demystify this for you for a second. When the guy that wants to sell you some magic potion he cooked up in his garage starts talking science words, that's what's happening here. When the guy cooking up the magic potion he brewed in his garage and is charging you lots of money for that doesn't do anything wants to sell you, he starts using big science words that aren't really relevant. You do not need to talk about the friggin' amygdala in this document about social-emotional learning. There's no reason to talk about it. What you're doing is you're saying, I know all this important neuroscience, which you don't. You know about the amygdala. Friggin' everybody knows about the amygdala. Everybody, this isn't a big deal. But what you're trying to do is use big smart words to sell your snake oil. If young folks are stressed by over-surveillance in schools and communities, if, 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 how can they process and retain information in the classroom? Is there any evidence that they are? Well, they just made some up. To create a container... See, if you gin up kids to be afraid of police, then you put a police officer there, maybe they're going to be stressed out about the police. Maybe that's not such a good thing to do. Maybe it's the narratives in the media timeline that's causing the problem, not the police. To create a container for SEL and for learning to happen, there has to be an opportunity to heal. They always want to heal. Leave my kids alone. As Dr. Monique Morris says, quote, schools must become places of healing. No, that's a hospital. That's an asylum. No, no, no. Schools must not become places of healing. They are places to learn. Have we forgotten everything? Schools must become places of healing so that they can become places or spaces of learning. 
no. Say no. Say no with me. James says no. You say no. No, 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 no. Got it? Okay, good. SEL doesn't just focus on the trauma, but also the strengths. It ensures a sense of belonging through building a healthy individual and collective identity. What the f- is a collective identity? Oh, yeah, that's where Karl Marx said that your true record, or maybe it was George Lukács, one of these freaking communists, literal communists, outright communists, back when they were proud to call themselves communists and use the C word, said that the true identity lies in the class. And they've repeated that ever since. Collective identity. Class consciousness is what that is. Maybe it's racial class. Maybe it's sex class. Maybe it's a LGBT class or whatever. Collective identity. It is healing-centered. What the hell is healing? You haven't defined what healing means. I don't think it belongs in the school. Do not heal my child. Physician, heal thyself, and you're not even an effing physician. As Sean Ginwright notes about healing-centered engagement, it can offer a healing space through culturally grounded rituals. Do you want your kids doing culturally grounded rituals with some weirdo at school? Including learning about ancestors, participating in cultural traditions, and studying the rich history of resistance. Oh, we're doing communism. Oh, yeah, okay. And we're going to put some you know, indigenous spiritual shit in there so that we can cover it up because we're going to use that to advance our agenda. We're not honoring it, we're using it. That's what they always do. As the Kaya Ansari, Advocacy Director for Alliance for Quality Education, noted, quote, nationally, we're having more conversations about SEL during the pandemic, but we must make sure that it is that it is this collective definition centered in healing, not getting folks to work and the economy churning. School's not about getting people to work, y'all, anymore. See, because black, indigenous people of color, BIPOC, Students and families deserve an education system that will transform to that will transform to meet the trauma, grief, and distrust that COVID nineteen has relentlessly bestowed on their communities without relief. Oh, sister, or brother, or whatever the hell Zakaya is, let's talk about the, the trauma, grief, and distrust that COVID nineteen has relentlessly bestowed on our communities without relief. Let's really talk about that issue, shall we? Turns out it's not going to be to your advantage. As schools are reopening, hybrid or complete remote learning, completely remote learning, systemically incorporating SEL and culturally affirming education will be what benefits students, families, and educators and communities. With White House and other GOP leaders working to desensitize a nation's death toll by engaging in, quote, necropolitics, SEL done right, thoughtfully, and intentionally is vital. These people are mentally ill. Problematizing current social-emotional learning frameworks. Notice they still haven't defined social-emotional learning in their section about defining social-emotional learning. Just notice that. SEL has a potential to be a tool for liberation, but current frameworks use it as a tool to police black and brown young people and perpetuate a settler colonialist state in school. Suck on those, Castle. SEL conversations, practices, and curricula are often based on white cisgender heteropatriarchal ableist norms and values which further enact emotional and psychological violence onto black, brown, and LGBTQ plus youth of color in particular. The current narrative around SEL is that students must, quote, manage and, quote, control themselves. Before we come back to that, 
Let's go back to capital B black, capital B brown, and LGBTQ plus youth of color. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. Let's think about that. Is there such a thing as an LGBTQ plus person? No. No human being on earth is lesbian and gay at the same time. Uh-oh. There's no such thing as an acronym person. There are people who fall within the acronym who are being used as activists and being told to identify that way. LGBTQ plus people are activists. Other people are gay or lesbian or bi or trans. I'm not giving any credit to the queer and I don't want to know what's in the plus. Capital B black. Well, those are people with a black critical consciousness. Those aren't people with black or dark brown skin or African or whatever heritage. Capital B brown. You are not capital B brown if you just happen to be brown. These are people who have embraced their identities as activists. The psychological violence that they're appealing to in their own framing is what's happening to activists who have been ginned up to take offense at everything. It's not actual, regular people who might be uh, likely to identify within categories related to those groups. So understand that. They're saying there's psychological violence happening to the activists. And the psychological violence happens to activists in this Marxist framework every time they don't get their way. So there's not psychological violence happening for real. There's telling petulant, entitled, shithead activists that they can't have all their way all the time. And they call it psychological violence. And then project it onto large swaths of people who we have this kind of liberal heartfelt concern about. You must understand when they capitalize black, brown, when they acronymize all of the different LGBTQ, whatever acronym, AAPI plus, whatever for Asians, when they acronymize, you are now talking about specific activists. Real people don't identify this way when they think about it. These aren't human identities. These are activist identities. The current narrative around SEL is that students must, quote, manage and, quote, control themselves. Yeah, wouldn't you want your kids to do that? And yes, social management isn't, or self-management is, in fact, one of the first of the competency areas. It's the second competency area, under, competency area under Castle. Students must, quote, manage and control themselves and their emotions, conform and constrict their identities, and not express their fullest, most authentic selves. I love how they actually literally have entire sentences and paragraphs repeated from pre previous parts of this document. These people do no real work. This narrative is troubling because we see the same policing aspects of physical violence shift to the more covert forms of emotional and psychological violence and control. See, learning to manage your own emotions, which they're already doing in a completely effed up way, learning to do that is the same as slave patrols. They've already drawn that analogy. It's just moved into a different context. Same in type, different in degree. Over 200 SEL programs are used in classrooms and school districts across the United States and the world. You know why? Because they diversified the brand so nobody would know they're doing the same shit in all the schools. That's why. That was an activist agenda. By who? Well, a lot of the same people who paid for this group. One of the most widely used definitions is uh, Castles. And that's, of course, the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning. Quote, social emotional learning is the process. They're finally defining it. But they're going to tell you this definition isn't good enough. Social emotional learning is the process by which children and adults understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. End quote. That's a 
really vague definition, by the way. Okay, it's a process by which all of these kind of very aspirational things might happen. Very vague definition. Gives them a lot of power to monkey around with stuff. To say SEL is always happening, so therefore we're justified in putting this very radical transformative SEL in play. SEL, they tell us, is often discussed under or in partnership with conversations about school climate initiatives, whole child development, positive behavior intervention support, PBIS, mindfulness, and restorative justice. They have many kitchen sinks full of bullshit going on over here. SEL is also often discussed from a workforce development lens that emphasizes the importance of building the next generation of, quote, workers, developing 21st century skills and positive behavior to conform to societal norms to succeed in schools and the workplace. That's what the that's what the World Economic Forum and UNESCO use um, social emotional learning. That's what they promote, especially World Economic Forum, developing 21st century skills and the next generation of workers. You know these people aren't happy about it, creating a generation of workers with new skills for a new economy. They don't want that. Why? Because they're communists. But these are the harder core ones. These are the these are the, the window movers. These are the ones who push the envelope. SEL, they tell us in gigantic bold letters, so it'll come up again later, has long been about decreasing, quote, problem behavior and making young people conform to the dominant behavior norms. I mean, literally transformative SEL is exactly not that. By definition, it's rooted in critical consciousness, but that doesn't matter, conform to the dominant behavior norms. Why? Because a the revolution must be perpetual, and the second the uh, cultural revolution succeeds, it becomes a new right wing. Obviously, being imposed, new dominant norms are still dominant norms, even though they're completely new and the thing they just demanded when this was written a year ago. Under the guise of capitalism, let me pull out my hair... Under the guise of capitalism, the dominant workforce development framework of SEL encourages young people to stifle the very emotions that have long contributed to a history of resistance. See, transformative SEL, which is literally about developing praxis and critical consciousness and becoming a Marxist activist and doing act activism through project-based learning initiatives and so on, literally stifles the emotions that have long contributed to a history of resistance. It stifles you from being angry enough to become a, ra a true radical. Maybe a Fanonian, a Franz Fanon-level uh, radical who transforms himself into a full human through murder of the people oppressing him. That's what he says in his book. So that they can contribute to society as a worker. How do you not hear that this is neo-communism? How do you not hear it if you still don't believe it? SEL which is already super radical, by the way, is apparently co-opted by capitalists to make workers. SEL has long been about decreasing, quote, problem behavior, making young people conform to the dominant behavior norms. Words like, quote, manage and, quote, control are words commonly associated with transactional business and hegemony. SEL has even been described as a, quote, calm down and rewrite that angry email. Quote, empathy is at the root of customer service. Quote, don't cry at work, and, quote, get what you want, get what you need, everyone still leaves happy. These examples are coded language for suppressing important emotions and privileging feelings that make others, namely those who hold privileged identities, comfortable. 
See, when you go to like Starbucks or something, that person behind the counter should be able to bring their whole self to work and just flip the F out on you. If they're feeling it, they should just let you freaking have it. Maybe they don't like the look of your face. Maybe they don't like the color of your skin. Maybe they don't like your hat. They should just let it rip. Because otherwise they're suppressing important emotions and privileging feelings that make others, namely those who hold privileged identities, comfortable. And you think, no, they don't mean that. Emotions like righteous anger has long been used as a tool to fuel movements that have and continue to propel our nation toward, forward toward justice. I really should say forward toward the dumpster, forward toward Venezuela, forward toward China, forward toward the Soviet Union. But that's what justice means, because justice is a word that means communism. Okay. For black and brown young people in particular, this messaging communicates that their rage isn't warranted. No shit. Calm down. It communicates to them that they should be complicit and content with the very systems that oppress them. Or maybe they should develop some mature perspective on life. How about we try that? Whoops, that's a form of hegemony or something, right? You can't say that. You can't tell people to actually grow up and be a responsible adult because that means being responsible in the existing system instead of hating it and wanting to destroy it. And that means reinforcing it because these people are communists. And how do you know? They cite a communist next. As Audre Lorde told us about anger, quote, Focused with precision, it can become a powerful source of energy, serving progress and change. I don't know why I gave Audrey Lord a British accent-ish, British-ish accent, except that I wanted it to sound like Emperor Palpatine saying, give in to your anger, come to the dark side, kids. You're black and brown, get on the dark side, nothing racist. Additionally, when black and brown children express joy, they are chastised and punished. I seriously do not think that is true, but they have an example. So it happened once where something got misinterpreted, therefore that happens all the time. Because these things, statistics work that way when it advantages the left and not otherwise. For example, in 2019, four black and brown middle school girls in Binghamton, New York, were strip searched, physically violated and shamed because they had been acting, quote, hyper and, quote, giddy. I don't know the story. We could look up the story. I have a feeling it's probably exaggerated. Maybe it was just something shitty that happened. This is just one of many examples of how black and brown young people are policed for expressing a wide range of emotions. It's probably the only example they have about people expressing hyper and giddy, which I don't know if that's necessarily happy, uh, the same as happy, and something happened. As a part of SEL's dominant framework, equity, justice, and culturally affirming practices are relegated to being an add-on. See, you have to center the activists so they can have a better grift. Although the transformative SEL framework, as now we're getting real, oh boy, they're going to fight. Although the transformative SEL framework is defined by Castle is promising in its addition of critical consciousness as a key component of SEL. Hold on, pause. It literally defines itself as Marxist. It's one year old by the time this document's been written. Although... It's promising because it added Marxist consciousness raising as a key component of SEL, which is already should be horrifying people. We argue that it shouldn't simply be an addition, but rather at its core. See, critical consciousness raising should be the main purpose. Marxism should be the main purpose of SEL, they're arguing. And transformative SEL coming from Castle is not nearly radical enough in that. Rather than being a framework or a checklist, we view SEL as an orientation to relationship building. See, it's vague. 
which means that the gurus get, and the consultants get to be in charge of what it means and change it whenever they need to and tell you no matter how you did it, you did it wrong and it wasn't their fault. No checklists, no framework. It's an orientation. We'll help you out. The Castle framework, even though it adopts the word transformative, continues to use language such as, quote, manage and, quote, control. The language of white supremacy and anti-blackness underlies many SEL frameworks. So those are two disjointed sentences that are supposed to create an impression in your mind together. When something has transformed, it can never go back to what it used to be. That's just another random sentence kind of thrown in there. Language, they say, is the, quote, instrument of culture, the instrument of domination and liberation, end quote. That's just another sentence just kind of hanging there. The workforce development framework is capitalist language and also the language of the oppressor. This is communism. As Dina Simmons warns, SEL, without context and examination of racism and oppression, risks becoming, quote, white supremacy with a hug. I told you, and that's where it came from. Dina Simmons. I don't know who she is. A nut job. Obviously, actually, no, 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 no. That's not fair. They're not crazy. They're communists. All right, fine. Why not both? In fact, definitely both. That's the only way to be. In classrooms and schools, this looks like forcing young people to practice mindfulness by remaining still and quiet with their eyes closed. Ooh, some kids are too wiggly. Requiring young people to close their eyes can be traumatic. Holy shit. Holy shit. Mindfulness focuses energy and attention on one task, which one could only do, sorry, which one could do during any daily task, such as washing hands, taking a test, or having a conversation. This communicates the message that children who may need to move their bodies before finding a seat are not welcome or accepted because they are not practicing, quote, self-awareness. They want to raise your kids to be feral. It is a form of control that polices the body, the body being separate from the spirit because it's Gnosticism, especially black and brown bodies, not to take up space. Let me reiterate what I just said because it's actually important. I spent a long time, people, James, why do they call everything bodies? Why is it black and brown bodies? Why is it queer bodies? I spent a long time trying to figure out why, try to explain it to people. It's because it's Gnosticism and Gnosticism is dualistic. It sees body and spirit as completely separate that the spirit is incarcerated in the body, the body becomes an instrument of control for the spirit, and if you control the body, you control the spirit by proxy, and the Gnosticism is being able to, or the Gnosis, the knowledge is breaking free of that. That's why. That's why bodies. Rather, tools like Village of Wisdom's Racial Stress Coping Plan, oh my god, for families are helpful resources to notice and observe stress when it appears in the body. It asks reflective questions such as, where did you feel the stress in your body? My stress level is a blank, and I feel it in my blank, which blanks. <sighs> Let's play Mad Libs. My stress level is an 11, and I feel it in my amygdala, which is spasming. I'm not going to get gross. This brings us to the focus and emphasis, sorry, this brings the focus and emphasis back to noticing and understanding emotions and having a relationship with one's body, a relationship with one's body. Rather than controlling the body's signals, important messages, and feelings. SEL as, a, as policing looks like having classroom rules posted on the wall that detail the five competencies of Castle. They are really after Castle. And having, quote, keep your hands to yourself. Don't touch other people's property. Ooh, got to go after private property. 
Ooh, don't teach kids about private property as the example for social and cultural awareness. This is an example of how widely used frameworks can be co-opted and misused. Co-opted by who? Capitalists who believe in private property. Social and cultural awareness should be about unpacking bias, having critical dialogue, oh God, and developing justice-oriented solutions. It should be about critically analyzing historical narratives that privilege experiences taught from the perspective of colonizers. It's about teaching the truth about history, because... Truth-telling is a form of love. Gag. Black girls matter. Big picture, they say. Can't read a thing in the back. Where did you feel the stress in your body? My stress level is a blank, and I felt it in my blank. Which blank? Mad libs. It should also be about having conversations about boundaries, saying no, and consent to encourage young people to be vocal about boundaries and respect for other people's boundaries. I guess unless there's a vaccine involved. For example, Dr. Monique Morris tells the story of Esperanza, a young person who experienced trauma in her community after she experienced violence in her neighborhood. Esperanza was supposed to speak at a conference, but after feeling overwhelmed with processing the violence she experienced, she started to cry before she spoke. One of her friends came up to her and started braiding her hair, which soothed her tears, and as Morris describes, her spirit. But it's not religious, guys. Doing hair has long been used as a cultural practice for building communal and ancestral ties in black and brown communities. The two young people knew one another well enough to communicate non-verbally and read one another's body language. What the hell does this have to do with anything? So t some kid's stressed out, another kid sees it, does something comforting and kind. I guess it goes against keep your hands to yourself. Bettina Love discusses this level of social awareness in her TED Talk as well, where young people at a cipher have be what I'm just going to read the exact words as they appear on the page where young people at a cipher have be aware of others to truly listen to what they're saying so they can comment on others rhymes they read nonverbal cues to know when it is their turn which is an incredible exhibition of social awareness SEL is policing also looks like teaching a one-sized-fits-all approach. In order to feel in control of the classroom at all times, educators resort to testing young people in standardized ways without considering the multiple ways they express their intelligence. Oh, we're now into multiple intelligence theories. Okay. Why do we need to feel in control? That's in bold and italics. How will young people learn about their interests if there is no space to explore, uncover, ideate, or debate? How will young people discover and practice their gifts and talents if they are only told they can solve problems in one way, which nobody in the world does? Andrew Young, economic justice manager, our RYSE Center, named that SEL has been used as a compliance metric. Some of these systems will not be able to hold SEL because they were built on control. The history of schooling in the United States shows us this, where the factory model of education persists, which push it their capitalism. By the way, this is a communist critique of education, which pushes standardization, devotion to nationalism without loving critique, devotion to nationalism without loving critique, hating your country, and obedience. The narrative has long been that young people must change rather than the system. If young people do not conform, they are disciplined and punished. This leaves little to no room for creativity, for reflection, and questioning of authority. Questioning authority means disrupting hegemonic systems. And in my heart, I'm screaming about that part in the Bible where they say, spare the rod, spoil a child. And I want to hold up a Bible in one hand and take a stick to these people in the other. 
Centering culturally affirming SEL in schools directly challenges the capitalist and white supremacist approach to schooling that is the status quo. The dominant message shares that we must be productive, that we are disposable, that we only live to work. Guys, this is communism. We must name the contradiction of schools as places where the capitalist class reproduces workers. Schools should be where young people learn about themselves and people's history as a liberatory practice aimed at communal freedom. Guys, this is communism. If the Department of Education didn't read this and throw it immediately away, they have committed a grievous um, violation against the United States and its people. One of, the part, one of our partners said it best in the partner survey data that we collected in summer 2020. I wonder if that was in a Twitter chat. Quote, embedding the ac- in the academic curriculum and the climate of the school intentional development of skills that help kids become healthy, self-actualized members of their communities. This means students... That's not a sentence, by the way. This means students learn how to recognize their emotions, respond to conflict in healthy ways, learn communication skills, develop leadership skills, etc. This must be culturally responsive because all of the above are subjective. So you can't have the dominant hetero, cisgender, white, ableist culture's view of what, quote, good communication skills are. For example, be the definition of success. Instead, it would need to be grounded in the strengths of the students and their families and build from there. Without cultural responsiveness, it can be very colonialist or paternalistic, end quote. When SEL, giant letters, so it'll be repeated later, is coupled with hardened environments, it becomes a lethal combination. When students are in classrooms, the curriculum and space are often not culturally affirming or sustaining and continues to be violent to their family, ancestors, and historical contributions. This is how SEL is another mechanism for emotionally policing students. Now we get to a new section, culturally affirming SEL, a path forward. We have another impossible to read document, um, which is split between two pages. There's another way to approach school safety using culturally affirming SEL to create deep connections with students, staff, and administrators. If, if it is not culturally affirming, it is not SEL. Let me read that sentence again. If it is not culturally affirming, it is not SEL. If SEL doesn't celebrate and affirm an individual's unique cultural strengths, gifts, and talents, it, it does not encourage them to be self-aware. If SEL doesn't actively interrogate Eurocentric ideas of control, particularly self-control, it is not SEL. If SEL doesn't ask whose social norms are we abiding by, it is not SEL. If it doesn't allow both young people and adults to bring their full humanity into schools, mistakes and all, it is not asking them to learn about their social and emotional skills, it is asking them to accommodate white supremacy and heteropatriarchy. What they write on this board, this vision board, describing how they def- came up with a definition of, of culturally affirming SEL. I'm not going to try to read all of it. They crossed out make responsible decisions to change it to make collective decisions. You're not supposed to achieve anything. It's crossed out strive toward. You're not supposed to understand. We're supposed to recognize. We're not supposed to manage. We're supposed to process. We're not going to understand and manage emotions. We're going to recognize and process emotions. Are you understanding? We're not going to try to maintain positive relationships. Instead, those are going to be with ourselves, with our land and our community, the things that they can manipulate. But then what they write on the board in big pink letters and dream the world we deserve into being. 
because it's Gnosticism. When we began the community of practice, most of our partners did not call the set of skills social-emotional learning. Still, it is because it wasn't. They did they made up some shit. Still, it is a, and now they're trying to co-opt SEL. As little sympathy as I have for Castle and, and SEL. They're trying to steal something somebody else built and turn it into their crazy bullshit. Still, it is a part of their work and how they approach organizing through deep relationship building and creating a space for love, healing, trust, joy, justice, and liberation. Every one of those words has a communist definition, by the way. For Jessica Rucker, high school educator at E.L. Haynes and member of D.C. Area Educators for Social Justice, SEL felt like a bus stop felt like bus stop ciphers where she learned about the attitudes, beliefs, and ways about how people get along as a form of self and social awareness. It was the lyrics in hip hop that helped her deepen her political and social analysis. Dear God. It was music that taught her the history that she wasn't taught in schools. Yeah, maybe it was Cardi B. For Desi Chacon, Education Engagement Advocate at RYSE Center, SEL was about reinvesting in her community through organizing. No, that's stealing from your community, Desi. From Desi's perspective, traditional models of SEL are used as a reactionary response in schools rather than a tool to build and invest in spaces and heal and claim power. SEL should be about building relationships to sustain movements, it says, in bold italics, and blue. Different color, even. Zakia Ansari, Advocacy Director, Alliance for Quality Education, has an inserted quote, I didn't always know what culturally affirming SEL was, but I knew what it looked like and felt like. Yeah, it's Gnostic. This is Gnosticism. In July 2019, we convened 25-plus folks from multiple partner organizations in Long Beach, California. 25 plus, 26. We convened 25 plus folks. You got 25 plus to show up. Amazing. From multiple partner organizations in Long Beach, California to learn from Californians for Justice and their relationship-centered schools model as a part. So they got 26 activists in a room that are all thinking the same thing, and that's what they're going to base national policy off of. As a part of the learning exchange, there was no learning happening here. There was bullshitting. Anyway, we placed the castle definition of SEL on paper, on the wall, in our meeting room. We encourage partners to take their pens to physically rewrite a new definition, fun little ritual, that illustrated their work and their community's needs. The definition below is the remixed definition that our partners created that week. And that's what the picture that I was kind of reading off of a little bit above was. Culturally affirming SEL collective definition. Isn't that cute? A collective definition. Culturally affirming SEL is the process through which people of all ages recognize and process emotions, set and strive toward personal slash collective goals and liberation while embracing failures as lessons. In other words, they engage in reflexive praxis. Feel and show empathy. Establish and maintain positive relationships with ourselves, our land, and our community. Make collective decisions. Identify the intersections between the isms, including colonialism, white supremacy, 
nonanism, anti-blackness, nonanism, homophobia, nonanism, cispremacy, not a word or anism, linguicism, ableism, and all forms of oppression, nonanism, and then dream the world we deserve into being. Culturally affirming SEL collective definition is the process through which all people of all ages dream the world we deserve into being. We should ask their question. Who gets to decide what world you fuckheads deserve? You? Uh-uh. <laughs> you, you thought this was work. You don't deserve anything. Oh my god. It's like the parable of the talents and the guy with the one bag of gold and he's like, oh, I didn't know what to do with it, so I buried it in the dirt and the guy's like, take his gold away from him and throw him out. He didn't do anything. Except these people are like, oh, I took your money and I spent it all on beer. I spent it all on screwing up the community and some kids. Sorry. Historically, they say, we've been, they're going to dream the world they deserve into, be, into being. It is entitlement. It is megalomania. It is Gnosticism. Historically, we've seen how theories of SEL are deeply ingrained in movements. Movements like the Black Freedom Struggle. In 1966, the Black Panther Party released their 10-point program. The fifth point stated, quote, bold in italics, we want education for our people that expresses the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. We believe in an educational system that will give our people a knowledge of self. If a man does not have knowledge of himself and his position in society and the world, then he has little chance to relate to anything else. End quote. So that's their inspiration, Black Panthers. Almost 55 years later, organizers are still fighting for this demand. We situate and ground this work in the reality that organizers have been demanding for a long time what schools should look like and feel like. Okay, so communists are demanding it should be something else for a long time, therefore it should be something else. No, 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 no. That's not how anything works. In a virtual learning exchange, our partners listed out a set of demands of what they want SEL to be based on the Black Panther Party 10-point program, specifically the fifth point. Giant letters, whole page. Eight SEL demands. We're not making suggestions anymore, folks. In parentheses, in big black font. Everything else, white font on blue. This is in black. Based on the Black Panther Party 10-point program. They're very proud of the fact that they've based their crap off of the Black Panther Party's list of demands. So here are the culturally affirming eight SEL demands. Demands. One, we want SEL to be centered in what young people of color say they need, not what we assume will make them into who or what we want them to be. And it doesn't say who, it just says what. I want to be honest. I read the word wrong. So... Activists, who are the representatives of the people of color, are going to say what they need, like gumbo or something at Evergreen State College, and that's what has to be SEL. Two, we want to make our own rules when it comes to culturally affirming practices. Amazing. Three, we want education that gives us opportunities to learn about and connect to the land we occupy. Well, we get sick of that. Let's go back to two. I just thought of something. We want to make our own rules when it comes to culturally affirming practices. Let's do Drag Queen Story Hour. LGBTQ culture, right? Queer culture. 
they want to make their own rules when it comes to queer-affirming practices, like grooming. They want their own rules. They want their own rules with queer culture. They want their own rules with queer culture, with your children. What's the P stand for in MAP? (laughs) Pedophile. We demand room to grow. In other words, what we're saying here is not enough. We're going to ask for more. We demand room to grow. Who you see before you in classrooms, etc. is not who I once was and not who I may ultimately be. See me and support my potential. Or at least get out of my way. No, fuck you. Let me just say that again. Fuck you. Okay. No. Sorry. Five. We want the making of amends for the harm on our youth, specifically who are most marginalized through education. No. Six, we want culturally affirming SEL to be rooted in the indigenous practices from whence it came. Name it. Just going to point out, they didn't name it. They didn't name any of them. Culturally affirming SEL didn't come out of indigenous practices. It came out of activist collectives that are well-funded by billionaires who didn't know what it was and then saw the opportunity to colonize a program that's already done by radicals who are funded by the same billionaires to take it over. That's indigenous practices? Hmm, sounds racist to even say it. Seven, we want SEL to invest and nourish the various skills, talents, and visions that young people have with compassion and care while providing the resources for them to do so. Eight, we want SEL education to uplift the voices of our young people and collectively heal and care for one another. What we've learned. What is culturally affirming SEL and what does it look like? Culturally affirming SEL is centered in deep relationship building. When asked what makes them feel safe in schools, our partners resounded relationships. Relationships are a prerequisite to learning. SEL is about relationships, how we come to identify and understand ourselves, our relationships with our emotions, our relationships with others, in service of equity and justice. Maybe your relationships with a drag queen, I don't know. Organizers exemplify relationship building through the power of base building. Oh, organizing. Organizers organize base building. Oh, that's activist language. Relationships mean investment in communities and people. Base building and relationship building take time understanding conflict resolution and trust building. But what they're talking about is they want it rooted in what they call relationships, but what they mean is activist groups. I've got another picture, a bunch of uh, post-it board or post-it notes on a board from our partner survey data. I'm sure that was rigorous. Our partner highlighted, one partner, sorry, highlighted the role of relationships in creating safe spaces. Quote, the philosophy that guides our work is that caring, empathetic, and respectful relationships are at the center of emotional and social change and a key component to success in our program, our society and world. Engaging young people as partners in community changes, sorry, and community changes gives our young people a greater feeling of safety and belonging. Yeah, because unstable communities usually feel real safe. A heightened sense of confidence and self-efficacy, a deep understanding of and connection to their peers in the broader community. The result of this philosophy is a space where young people feel prepared to tackle injustices, but also feel safe experiencing a variety of emotions, of emotions, exhaustion, frustration, relief, giddiness, without being made to feel that they are distracting the group from, quote, the work. Great. I guess this is Najla, Nyla, maybe it's Nyla because it's uh, Spanish. Nyla Gomez Rodriguez, uh, capacity building 
manager with Californians for Justice, shared that embedding SEL in schools means drawing from student culture and lived experience to develop learning. Californians for Justice relationship-centered schools model is rooted in one valuing student voice, that is, collaboration between students, administrators, and teachers through youth-driven design teams to develop new practices, always new practices, always something new, Two, investing in staff, for example, providing staff professional development on SEL and unconscious bias. Sounds great. And three, creating space for relationship building. That is, creating advisor, for example, I should say, creating advisory structures where students stay with a caring adult all of their years of high school. In California, uh, Californians for Justice has learned that students can lead professional development for teachers on implicit bias. Oh, that's great. Students can lead professional development for teachers on implicit bias and the importance of implementing SEL in an empowering and effective way. See, Mao empowered the youth to transform the schools too. CFJ's relationship-centered schools work stems from findings from a participatory action research study conducted with young people that showed one in three students in California could not name a single caring adult at school. I, I refer back to my daughter saying that the strict teacher was mean. Clearly cared a lot about the kids' education. SEL shouldn't be seen as an additional practice, but rather a core component of schooling where students co-design curriculum and give input about what they want and need in school. Partners like CADRA in Southern Los Angeles, California, organize parents and build a base by understanding parents' strengths and building relationships with and among parents to see the humanity in families. They build relationships by canvassing in the neighborhoods to reach parents who do not frequent school campuses and then hold house meetings to discuss some of the challenges they see in the school system. They continue to deepen relationships through training, but also provide parents with a structured peer support system. Schools that are truly centered in SEL cannot take on a deficit view of parents, families, caregivers, and schools cannot be a fortress. Culturally affirming SEL is a... What did you just hear, by the way? You just heard how organized these people are. They're constantly going out into the communities. They're constantly canvassing. They're constantly selling their garbage to people to get them to vote for them, support them, etc. Um, conservatives tend not to do this. Culturally affirming social-emotional learning is a connection not just to ourselves and with others, but why do they do that? Because they're freaking evangelists in a religion, by the way. But our relationships with the land, our ancestors, our spirituality, again, our communities and our connections to our joys and passions is rooted in mutual love and respect. Southwest Organizing Project, this is, I think, my favorite part of the document, SWOP, S-W-O-P, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uses community gardening through their initiative, Project Feed the Hood. The project provides safe spaces for students of color to learn about Native food justice practices, Native food justice practices, like you know, like they practiced like 200 years ago, and develop relationship with relationships with land that has historically been stolen from indigenous people. Right? They reclaim the land by building consciousness. No, they don't. They actually do not. They just make people mad about it. The ability to understand nature, while we see that it's magical, it's magic, it's hermetic. By raising a consciousness about the land being stolen, they reclaim the land. See, they teach people about indigenous practices and thus reclaim the land, but they don't. While we typically think of SEL as relationships with self or others, community organizing groups like SWOP center it in the land. 
and a presentation on food justice, land sovereignty, and SEL at the Novo Foundation, not a small deal, an education first, SEL in action convening, Amanda Gallegos from SWAP and Andrea Colon from Rockaway Youth Task Force shared a lesson on food mapping. They shared that food is important in every culture. What a great use of people's time. They shared that food is important in every culture, so they began by asking attendees to share their favorite foods that remind them of home. You know, get the emotions flowing so you can indoctrinate people into your cult. The lesson then took us through the life of a jar of salsa, beginning with a naming, well, sorry, beginning with naming the ingredients that you and your family use, from tomatoes to onions to chiles. Amanda asked critical questions such as, where do these vegetables come from? Well, I bet you Amanda didn't grow them. Who grows them and picks them? Probably not Amanda. How do they get from the farm to the factory? How much gas emits from the truck that brings the crops to the factory? Maybe they should just grow them at the factory, right? Uh, uh, maybe they shouldn't have factories at all. This lesson not only discusses food justice, but also climate justice and environmental justice. The lesson builds relationships between participants, see it's about emotions and bringing people into a cult, and develops an understanding of our relationship to land and the broader impact of the climate and environment. Now see, this is why I like this. You can't see this. I can see this. You can't see this. Because it's a picture that they have. Amanda Gallegos from Southwest Organizing Project presenting at the MN Learning Exchange in July 2019. Now Amanda Gallegos is a portly woman. She is a large woman. She's a fabulously large woman. Well, not fabulously large. She's somewhere between very large and fabulously large. It appears she's wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt to her professional meeting. I love how professional they are. But her t-shirt has a lot of words on it, as activists on the left often wear paragraphs on their shirt because that's how they meme. But what is it? It's a quote. It turns out, and this is what I love. This, she's, this is why it is my favorite page of this document. I'm zooming in so I can read this from her shirt. So this large one. You think I wouldn't have to zoom in that much because she's big. That's rude. I'm sorry. Let's change the way we eat. Let's change the way we live. And let's change the way we treat each other. Tupac kills me. A Tupac quote on her shirt from this definitely not gangsta woman kills me just savagely kills me somebody's gonna bitch that i talked about her appearance so much but you know what amanda gallegos is worried about a lot of kinds of justice but she's not worried about how heavy she is i care about her health actually i don't i literally do not care about amanda gallegos oh she takes another vaccine soon her booster is overdue just kidding. You know what I'm doing with that. I hope you know what I'm doing with that. If you don't know what I'm doing with that, it's brilliant. Youth on Board Listening Works is a national healing project aimed at strengthening organizational and move. So our jar of salsa story is in the past. Aimed at, where was I? This is so boring. Aimed at strengthening organizational and movement culture through SEL. Organizational and movement culture. Pay attention. I know I just got bored. Listening partnerships, listening partnerships, that means they talk, you listen, can be used as a tool for wholeheartedly listening to encourage a comfortable space for a partner to say whatever is on their mind without offering feedback or advice. A strategy for deep relationship building. See, deep relationships involve you shutting up and taking it and showing your resilience by not being fragile. 
As much of as much of SEL focuses on relationship building, listening works provides a f- powerful model for how not how to not only build deep relationships but sustain them through authentic listening. You better just shut up and take it. Radical vulnerability. You better open up to it as you're super racist and love. It is a tangible. That's critical love, by the way. It's a tangible model and strategy to use for adults to practice SEL for themselves and maintain a level of self and communal care. Educators, school staff, and young people can use listening partnerships in classrooms. Youth on Boards Listening Works uses four support skills that can be used in classrooms and schools as tangible skills for creating healing-centered spaces and deepening relationships. One, listening partnerships. Two, appreciations and setting up a culture of appreciations. Sounds like we're going to celebrate some crap. Three, laugh, play, and games. And four, community and healing circles. During our first Hashtag SEL webinar series webinar on what is culturally affirming SEL, Youth on Board discussed how self-care, radical love, and collective care are revolutionary. Collective care means you've got to make everybody care for you. Are revolutionary because as Carlos, uh, Carlos Rojas, Director of Education, Justice, and Listening Works, said, quote, the system tells us we cannot feel to keep us from healing, end quote. Investing in SEL means providing opportunities and and outlets for young people to heal and adults to process through and heal from trauma. SEL for adults is equally important because it provides strategies and tools to critically reflect on unconscious bias, listen and connect to others, and build stronger and more positive relationships with ourselves and others. SEL practices are done best when everyone is practicing SEL. See, because everyone has trauma, right? No, of course they don't. But yes, they do, because systemic power is what causes trauma, not real trauma. It's so disgusting that they capitalize on that, that they use that. Just like they hide behind LGBT or gay or whatever, just like they hide behind black and brown bodies, which of course they say everybody else does, just like they hide behind they hide behind truly traumatized people to put this garbage out and to psychologically manipulate children. But also, as they're going to tell us next, not just children, but adult allies also have to practice SEL, critically reflect, see, step aside, and truly let young folks lead. Just like in the Cultural Revolution in China. Doesn't say that part. I did. At our hashtag SEL webinar series webinar on SEL Beyond the Checklist, Andrew Young, Economic Justice Program Manager at RYSE, shared that adult allies must, quote, walk alongside young people for freedom and liberation, end quote, just like in the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Jessica Rucker, high school teacher at E.L. Haynes in Washington, D.C., and member of D.C. Area Educators for Social Justice, shared some of her teaching ideas, including this homework prompt, find a cultural artifact that shows something about you and your life. This prompt, she reflected, helped young pe- the young people she works with realize that they have cultural ad- artifacts and are curators of knowledge. At RYSE, they held a youth-led town hall to hold space for young people to respond to social, cultural, and educational needs amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and, quote, distance learning, which was forced on them nonsensically, evilly. In addition to other virtual community building spaces, culturally affirming SEL is about encouraging young people to share their emotions, thoughts, and feelings. And as Jessica said, quote, they don't need to be taught. I invite them. Their feelings. SEL can't be considered another, quote, add-on. That's big, gigantic letters. SEL is not a curriculum. It is a practice embedded into every aspect of the school day. 
There is an allotted, quote, SEL time where there is a focused lesson on a particular skill set in many schools. This practice presents a false narrative that noticing and observing our emotions, building relationships and recognizing stress should only be acknowledged during specific periods of the day, which further contributes to the harmful, quote, management and, quote, control narrative. Many school districts are rushing to purchase, quote, the most effective SEL curricula as a Band-Aid that will not heal the deep wounds that, are, that punitive school policies have inflicted. Schools should embed SEL in the frameworks of all aspects of the school day, from building relationships to having a curriculum that is reflective of young people's experiences to school climate and restorative justice practices that promote connectedness. It's a cult, and they want to take over the entire school. Centering inquiry-based work, this is in bold italics and blue, and culturally affirming SEL is a powerful tool to expand pedagogical practices to infuse SEL into teaching rather than regarding it as just an add-on. In the hashtag SEL webinar series webinar on SEL Beyond the Checklist, the panelists shared that SEL should also be about encouraging constant and growing curiosity. Andrew Young from RYSE shared that SEL should incorporate inquiry. How do we ask questions about how we are forming our sense of self? He said it's about grappling with the roots and examining questions like what does it mean to be self-aware in a white settler colonialist system? Woof. Jessica, high school teacher and DCAESJ member, said that as an SJ is for social justice there, by the way, uh, it said that as an educator, she's devoted to making sure her classroom space is a, is a place for exchanging ideas and asking questions to connect history, current events, and the future. In a webinar on when Black Lives Matter at school, educators and organizers building relationship in schools, educators and organizers emphasize, how many organizers do we need in our schools? Correct answer, zero. Emphasize the need for school curriculum, pedagogy, policies, and supports that examine structural racism and highlight intersectional black identities, black history, and anti-racism. Kanisha Mills, middle school teacher at Hardy Middle School and co-organizer of the People's History Working Group of D.C. Area Educators for Social Justice, said that her teaching strategy is not to start by teaching oppression slash racism. Rather, Kanisha starts out Sorry, rather, Kanisha starts with the heroes and the creativity, the brilliance, and the impact of black people in black communities. This learning must extend beyond one month a year and highlight more than a few figures. Uh, Ira, maybe? Abu Bakr, senior program coordinator at Critical Exposure, shared that in school she needed to see herself reflected in the curriculum, and even when she asked for it, the school ignored it. Yeah, well... That's what Henry Giroux got radicalized by, too. Sometimes you have bad ideas, and the school's right to ignore you. But never if you're an activist for justice, because you're always right, because you're a Gnostic. We must not inflict curricular violence on black and brown students, but rather amplify the many ways they contribute critical knowledge. It's not about whether or not they do anything else. They contribute critical knowledge. We must amplify that. Otherwise, we're doing curricular violence against them. Youth on Board, in partnership with the Boston Public Schools, runs the Boston Student Advisory Council. BSAC is the student union of the district. They advise the school committee and superintendent on district policy by putting youth on district boards of education. Sounds great. What a great idea. 
put children on the Board of Education. They work with Boston Public Schools to redefine what SEL and wellness look like by situating culturally and linguistically sustaining practices into every aspect of schooling, including curriculum development, institutional work, and ensuring that students are engaged in every step of policy development. What a nightmare. What is going on with you people? Through their Youth Empowered Learning, CLSP Learning Series, they provide a powerful framework for centering the cultural knowledge and practices of young people, families, and communities. Together, young people and adults co-facilitate workshops designed by young people that focus on self-identity, countering bias and racism through an actual, or sorry, through an analysis of historical and current context, Marxism, and provide interactive skill-building opportunities for advocacy and direct action. That's Marxist activism. How many times do we have to cover it? Why are they putting children in charge of these things? Why did the failure to be willing and interested in parenting extend to being unwilling and interested in actually teaching? Let's put the kids in charge of everything. Kid world, Mick world. It's my world. Yeah. Like, where did this mentality, why did adults abdicate their entire responsibility to mentor and, and raise children into functional adults? Oh, because communism needs them to do that. That's why. This is insane. This is actually insane. Leaders Igniting Transformation, LIT, is a youth of color-led organizing group based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that focuses on three core programs. One, ending the school-to-prison pipeline, which probably doesn't exist. Two, economic justice, (laughs) communism. And three, justice reinvestment. Oh, wealth redistribution, got you. Through their Black Hogwarts political education, they're wizards, oh my god. Through their Black Hogwarts political education program, Black Hogwarts, it's like a Dave Chappelle show skit. Oh my god. Each, quote, house is dedicated to a specific area of the young person's interest. Young people select a training or, quote, house they'd like to be a part of. For example, Slytherin includes Workshops for students running for office and organizing, 101. Gryffindor includes workshops on storytelling and how to engage with your local government. Hufflepuff includes workshops on art and the role of art and activism. And Ravenclaw prepares high school leaders to testify at the Milwaukee Public School Budget Town Hall. Is that what you send your kids to school for is to learn how to testify at town halls? Lit partners with local organizations like Ubuntu Research and Evaluation and Diverse and Resilient. Since it's a youth-led organization, older leaders mentor younger leaders through the process. This innovative programming introduces youth to the, quote, magic of leadership and organizing. This work highlights how learning can promote creativity to deepen social awareness. Big giant letters. Culturally affirming SEL is centered in healing justice and emotional justice. Because communal healing, they say, is central to safety, is it? When students, caregivers, school staff, and communities come into school buildings, they want to feel mentally, physically, emotionally, and psychologically safe. Ira Abubakar, Critical Exposure, said in our hashtag SEL webinar series, quote, when one of us isn't safe, none of us are safe. That's a logical fallacy. That's a complete logical fallacy, but okay. How do we continue to create spaces that are healing so that everyone can feel safe? All you need is one person to bitch and complain and say they don't feel fully safe and nobody's safe and you have to have a whole new thing. 
How can we continue to create spaces that are healing so that everyone can feel safe, supported, and affirmed in their humanity? The work of healing our minds, bodies, and hearts from the systems of oppression, oh, that's what it's about, requires intentional commitment. Transformative organizing is healing-centered engagement. Ah, so now we know what healing-centered means. Transformative organizing, Marxist activism, is healing-centered engagement. Oh, Labor Community Strategy Center in Los Angeles, California said, quote, many of our members suffer so many societal traumas rooted in racial, gender, and national oppression. We work with a model influenced by France Fanon in The Wretched of the Earth. They misspelled France's name, but nevertheless. Fanon argued that the pain of colonialism could only be healed in the self-actualization of the oppressed and the battle against colonialism itself. For us, this led many of our members to a heightened sense of societal awareness and self-love and acceptance. That's not what France Fanon said. We just did that podcast. France Fanon argued that the pain of colonialism could only be healed. Let's go find what France Fanon actually said about it. Where do I have that one? France Fanon, The Wretched of the Earth. Okay, there we go. I have that book. Literally, it's the next book over, next tab over. The Wretched of the Earth, France Fanon, Chapter 1. How do we get to healing or whatever? National liberation, national resistance, the restoration of nationhood to the people, commonwealth, whatever may be the headings used or the new formulas introduced, decolonization is always a violent phenomenon. Oh, it's about violence. He actually goes on and on, almost 100 pages, talking about the need to use violence to do this. It actually describes how the uh, native taking a gun in his hand adopts a symbol of his humanity. And by murdering the settler, he kills two men at once. He kills the colonized native and allows him to be reborn as a free human being. And he kills the settler who was holding him down, but just kills him dead. Fanon argued, so let's just correct this statement. We work with a model influenced by Franz Fanon in The Wretched of the Earth. Fanon argued that the pain of colonialism could only be healed through murder. Hmm. In the self-actualization of the oppressed and the battle against colonialism itself. Yeah, the battle's fucking literal. Literal murder. Fanon talks about how not a day goes by where the, where the, the native doesn't dream of taking what the colonizer or the settler has his home, his wealth, his food, his wife, taking them and using them for his own, replacing him through killing him. That's what Fanon says, decolonizes. Well, here we call it a sense of societal awareness and self-love and acceptance. Culturally affirming SEL requires emotional justice, the process of unpacking and dismantling emotional patriarchy. While emotions have been used to profit and privilege some and punish others, emotional justice provides a language to describe emotions, name and explore and develop a counter-narrative around emotions, specifically emotions related to historical and intergenerational trauma. I'm just going to pause and ask you to reflect. You heard a single word about reading or math yet? No. No, just from me. They had, no, they haven't bothered. Not one. No, that would be not that good. That's not. That's a waste of time. That's going to reassert the colonial view or whatever. And isn't it funny that they always talk about whitewashed history, but then they just gave this super whitewashed version of Franz Fanon, and if they're telling you that their work is based in it so that the activists who know what the work is based in know what Fanon argued, but you don't because you didn't read Fanon because you're not a Marxist. 
Communities United engages a healing through justice framework, which details three actions to take both individually, identity building, and collectively, social action. It's always collective. One, the recognition of my resilience empowering myself. I am who I say I am. Two, heroic living. I am a weaver of empathy, knowledge, and action. Three, building justice-centered heroic communities through action. One of the recent projects that focused on transformative healing work is their WOKE project, working on knowledge and equity. The WOKE project centers the leadership of educators and low-income students of color in advancing dynamic approaches. To collectively develop and implement curriculum, the center students and their communities' lived experiences. The WOKE project approach blends social-emotional learning grounded in positive youth development, restorative practices, and relevant and engaging learning opportunities tied to pressing issues in the community. I don't know how many more of these examples you want to hear. This is basically what the entire thing does, but youth breakout in New Orleans, Louisiana, runs intergenerational healing nights and pillow talks for LGBTQ plus me. I can't believe I almost stopped before that. Holy shit. Groomer schools. Let me just read that again. Let me just read that sentence again. I almost stopped here. Youth breakout. Out is all in caps. In New Orleans, Louisiana, somebody needs to investigate this. This is Groomer City. Runs intergenerational healing nights and pillow talks for LGBTQ plus communities. This is why I said I have to read the whole fucking thing. Did you hear that? Youth breakout in New Orleans, Louisiana. Somebody investigate this. Runs intergenerational healing nights and pillow talks for LGBTQ plus communities. What's the plus stand for? Pedophiles. That's such groomer. Intergenerational healing night and pillow talk for gay kids. Holy shit. They've developed an intensive healing justice plan for breakout with a defined role for the Healing as Resilience Together Committee, which includes monthly coaching, reflection, and healing modalities study. I really wonder what that looks like. BOP's People Plan calls for the expansion of culturally rooted healing center, quote, rites of passage. Programs for all high school and middle schools, including scaling a range of culturally rooted healing practices and trauma-informed approaches across all schools in the district. One of their recommendations to do this work well is to initiate mapping of the community partners, of community partners, sorry, to collaborate with on the planning and facilitation of programming for and with young people. The grammar is never good in these. Groups like Soul Sisters Leader Collective in Miami, Florida, provide programming in which young women, femmes, and gender non-binary youth of color can express themselves through identifying issues in their communities and developing arts-based action projects with the love and support of a mentor. Let me just pause and note, point out how many of these gender and sexuality, including literal intergenerational pillow talks, they're now mentioning, and one of the demands is that they should be able to make their own rules for SEL. Hmm. Sorry. In their communities and developing arts-based action projects with the love and support of a mentor. Natasha Santana Vieira, a former Miami program manager at Soul Sisters, noted in the virtual learning exchange on SEL Beyond the Checklist, which I still think is a Twitter chat, that their principles and personalities are what SEL in action looks like to Soul Sisters. Some examples of their principles and personalities, that's 
proper noun, so it's a brand, include Sankafa, our past informs our future, hope and transformation, change is possible, and cultural awareness, deep knowledge of our cultural background supports our growth and healing. SEL is embedded not only in the way they create and conduct programming, but how they operate as an organization. This is exemplified in a vignette written by Wakumpi Douglas, co-founder of Soul Sisters Leadership Collective in Monique Morris's 2019 Sing a Rhythm, Dance a Blues, Education for the Liberation of Black and Brown Girls. Douglas discussed one of their programs that teaches black and brown girls and transgender nonconforming youth about sexual and reproductive health. As she described the program, she said, quote, They want to change things that are going on in the schools, but they also want to have fun and be free. And that's also radical and revolutionary for them. When young people, namely black and brown young people, take up space and express themselves in places not built for them to thrive, they resist the oppressive forces that are that often take away the joy and fun of learning. So when they take up space in schools and cause problems, they're resisting. Okay. They, they reclaim those spaces by expressing happiness, an integral part of the healing process. At RYSE Center, they reclaim public space for young people to play, laugh, and enjoy music. They all, it sounds exactly like how school should be going. They also create other experiences like Richmond Renaissance, where young people explore the black diaspora in Richmond in the 1940s as a means of, of placemaking and belonging, using art as a transformative opportunity to teach, analyze connections, and heal as a powerful opportunity to deepen SEL practices. Another key component of culturally affirming SEL is engaging in wholehearted listening and story sharing as liberatory practices to be heard, heal, and express joy. I really wonder if I'm going to miss much by skipping. She also used, I'm going to skip some. It's not that exciting. She also used Jay-Z's Minority Report to invite young people to write their reports about their connections between their government's response to Hurricane Katrina and COVID-19. There's a great power in images to tell the stories. We're not always able to put into words. Critical Exposure, an organizing group in Washington, D.C., trains youth to use photography, visual storytelling, and advocacy to make tangible change in their schools and communities. They're creating a, gener quote, creating a new generation of civic leaders who have the tools to express themselves, the creativity to imagine new solutions to old problems, the belief that youth have the right and ability to fight for those solutions, and the skills to hold communities and public officials accountable, end quote. Critical Exposures partners with D.C. high schools, and youth share their photos through exhibitions and galleries, libraries, and present the images directly to public officials. Through the documentation of their communities through their own lenses, they share their counter-narratives with the world and use art as a transformative tool for healing and collective power. Activist and writer Adrian Marie Brown, all lowercase, says, quote, all, this is Fabulous, by the way. Listen to this. All social justice work is science fiction. We are imagining a world free of injustice that doesn't yet exist. End quote. Indeed, they're Gnostics. They believe they've seen an image of the utopia, and it is their job to disrupt the existing world and bring into being a simulation of the utopia they believe they've imagined until it works. But the key part is disrupting the existing world, because it's critical theory, because it's based in critical consciousness, which is supposed to be at the center of this, they said. SEL, they tell us, has the potential to encourage young people to freedom dream. Part of free freedom dreaming requires creativity without boundaries, and with, with the drag queens and the pillow talk, maybe. In critical imagination of resistance, critical imagination of resistance, 
In schools that often stifle and try to suppress creative invention and critical inquiry in the name of order and control, the healing processes, sorry, process also requires imaginative freedom. SEL must be a lever for healing and emotional justice. As evidenced through the many examples that our partner provide, healing is essential to movement work. That's what you should focus on with schools is movement work. It's still, oh, sorry, healing and rest are vital for sustained action. Still, if SEL does not uplift the necessary power of healing, it teaches young people instead to conform to capitalist structures that deny their humanity. I told you it's communism. SEL, in giant letters, they tell us, looks different in different contexts. This is why we must lean into communities, because it's communism. In places like Juneau and Nome, Alaska, SEL is embedded into their cultural safety model, which they adapted from indigenous practices in New Zealand. Cultural safety in Alaska means not having too much food waste at lunch because it is directly in conflict with the community's and elders' cultural values. Further, it means providing traditional foods like moose and and seal stew, rather than the nutrient-deficit meals often provided and served through the federally funded school meals program. Cultural safety means young people learn their indigenous languages and native Alaskan history from elders and community members as part of their core curriculum. It also includes being able to wear their traditional clothing their graduation ceremonies. Highlighting that they're different, right? We must highlight the language practices, customs, and history of the people and local communities. SEL should honor indigenous traditions to ensure that schools are culturally safe. Then shows a picture of Zakia Ansari, who I'm assuming is a woman, black woman it appears, but it's in the snow and she's very bundled up standing in a heap of, like a snowdrift in Alaska, and uh, at the Alaska visit site in Nome, Alaska, holding up her communist fist. Back to our salsa people, in places like Albuquerque, New Mexico, New Mexico organizations like SWAP, have you noticed they just keep kind of using the same like four things as if they have lots of examples? It's all fraud. They create the illusion that they have a lot of things going on have community school partnerships. Quote, SWAP established a partnership with Van Buren and Washington Middle Schools, which allowed SWAP to provide workshops in food and environmental justice work, maybe with a Tupac shirt on, through a transformative justice lens and through mindful, culturally-based approaches to work with young people of color. These middle schools reached out to SWAP for assistance in creating programming that would engage community partners in a school-wide project to compel students to engage with their schools more and create ways to, uh, for students to connect with groups and organizations rooted in their communities. SWAP worked with teachers at Washington Middle School to create a year-long environmental justice curriculum, fabulous, tied to national education standards. Oh, that included a school-wide environmental justice tour and several project-based learning opportunities. At Van Buren Middle School, SWAP worked to institutionalize a food justice program. The program includes a garden elective for students, in-school suspension conducted in the school garden. Wait a minute, isn't that what they do in prisons? That they, they Never mind. An anti-racism and food justice training for faculty. Through these efforts, they have helped Van Buren to become one of only two schools in the entire district that are certified garden to cafeteria, with staff and students trained to produce, harvest, and safely process food for cafeteria consumption. I swear to God, I saw a documentary. They stole this idea from prisons. Which is just total irony. When schools lean into the expertise of communities, it has has transformative effects for all. I'm not against teaching kids to garden, by the way. 
or any of that, or the good food. I'm not against it. But I do think they adapted that process from prisons. Amid COVID-19, our partners continue to serve as the cornerstone for their communities through mutual aid efforts. At SWAP, they have been raising money for small grassroots organizations that are sewing masks. Thank God for that. Many of the organizations employ homeless, migrant, or refugee status workers in their communities. In places like Miami, Florida, organizers like Logan Meza, lead organizer at Soul Sisters Leadership Collective, are they hiring illegal aliens? Is that illegal? Can they do that? Pull communities together by coordinating mutual aid networks, cook food for those who need it, and provide masks and supplies. Logan says about mutual aid, quote, this isn't charity. It allows us to meet our needs without saviorism and hierarchy. See, they wouldn't want to be identified as charity. That's bad. God, it goes on and on. SEL, I'm skipping some crap. They're doing it over and over again, but it's everywhere. SEL is about communal care. It's mutual aid. It's about giving without any expectations or transactions. It's about developing a deep collective identity that allows everyone to have their needs met through a mutual sharing of resources. Doesn't that sound like a commune? It's about using your talents and strengths to ensure your community is cared for. It's about honoring the rich traditions of communities, not the dominant one, and creating relationships with those traditions and rituals. Then, oh my god, I have to do a whole section. SEL builds critical consciousness is a whole section. Many of our community partners use political education to provide their communities with a deeper understanding of people's perspectives and truths. Through political education, everyone has something to contribute as well as are experts of their own experiences. Yay, experts of your own experience. What the fuck does that mean? It's phenomenology crap. That's nonsense. To be socially aware, one must know their history. The full history. Okay, so you have to know all of the secret ways that you've been oppressed. Got you. At a time where only 8-9% to 9% of a class time is devoted to black history, and black history is often relegated to one month, aren't black people like 11% of the population? They get 9% of the class time? Isn't that, isn't that kind of proportional? But I digress. And black history is often relegated to one month and a few historic figures, classroom curriculum and corporate, text, corporate textbooks sorry, erase the strategic organizing efforts. Oh, they don't want to teach black history. They want to teach strategic organizing efforts of black and brown communities and allies. Mm, they want to teach activism. At this moment, there are blatant and vicious attacks on social justice, education, and teaching people's history by the 44th presidential administration. Wonder what people's history means. Oh, CRT history. President Trump said he will create a commission to promote, quote, patriotic education. Oh, so that means it must have been after the uh, EO, because the executive order banning CRT, which must be what's being referenced, preceded the patriotic education initiative. Hmm. Which preserves teaching the narratives that uphold white supremacy. Critical consciousness is vital to fight back against the attempted erasure and suppression of the actual history that provides illustrative examples of resistance and rebellion. SEL has the potential to help communities build the skills necessary to have brave conversations across differences, address the socio-political context, and confront injustice. SEL can develop young people and adults not only to be consumers of knowledge, but critical producers of knowledge and justice actors. Is that not good enough for you? Gwinnett STOPP in Gwinnett County, Georgia, has been using Facebook Live amidst COVID-19 to offer political education through a series called Education System in Crisis. One of the topics they covered as an example included still separate and unequal on disparities in education, including how school funding works, disparities in college readiness, disparities in AP, 
honors course enrollment for black and brown people. For uh, Desis Rising Up and Moving, Drum in New York City, New York, maybe I mispronounced that, their Building Power and Safety Through Solidarity campaign took their in-person base building to phone building during the global pandemic. Through phone, video, text, and social media, they share crucial information about health updates. Yeah, apparently. Real ones, I, I bet. Get your boosters, right? And connections to resources, education around the concept of power to organize around direct actions, communism, 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 and building connections specifically during a time of isolation. The Zen Education Project, coordinated by our partner Teaching for Change, created People's Historians Online. That's going to teach critical history. Teach beyond the textbook, they say. I'm going to kind of skip a, a little bit. It's getting long. Participating in role plays increases empathy. So they're going to do historical role plays um, to teach fake history. For younger students, children's books can be a tool of political education and understanding social-emotional skills. Carefully selecting and analyzing children's texts can provide what Reading Sims Bishop called, quote, windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors to readers' multi-layered intersectional and identities. Children's literature can be a window to show young people what the possibility of newer, different worlds could look like. Sliding glass doors encourage young people to use their imaginations to enter those worlds or take action. Activism. Teaching for Change also launched a Freedom Reads Anti-Bias Book Talk series, which is part of Anti-Bias Training and part of Book Review. Each short segment explores anti-bias books for the home and classroom to strengthen parents and teachers' anti-bias, anti-racism lens, and their ability to critically analyze children's media. Children's, maybe they can spot the groomers. Children's books can be a starting point for young people to see how others understand emotions, talk about their feelings, and identify with social issues. Have we learned anything about anything yet? No, maybe there's some reading tucked in there. There's no math. Many partners use Youth Participatory Action Research, PAR, and Youth Participatory Action Research, YPAR. Oh, sorry. Regular Participatory Action Research and Youth Participatory as tools for communities to collect data and research their experiences through a social justice lens. This practice redefines who has the expertise to produce knowledge by using research findings to contribute to societal change that directly impacts communities. Teachers Unite in New York City, New York, conducted a PAR study on rethinking school safety. They examined who gets to be involved in safety-making decisions around school safety. Young people drafted, revised, and tested over 200 interview questions about restorative and transformative justice, safety, accountability, discipline, and intersectionality. There's more examples of this now for gender equity. The researchers used performance and art to, quote, unscript their bodies with children under radical black feminism. In other words, to tell their stories through research, allegedly. These practices can be adopted in the classroom and build social and emotional skills development by encouraging critical inquiry as a foundation for exploring social issues. So critical consciousness and our relationship to the broader socio-political context. For example, young people can be encouraged to conduct interviews that collect oral histories from people in their families or communities on a particular topic that's important to them. They could record their group conversations about a topic that's meaningful to them and collectively code the transcripts. That's sociological coding. They're not learning to program computers. Code the transcripts together to see what common words, themes, or phrases come out of the data. This is teaching them stupid sociological methods that don't work. 
They could present the data to their school board or to town hall to, or create social media poster flyers to spread awareness. Through the process, young people see themselves as researchers and understand how they can use their knowledge to create actionable solutions. Those are the exact kinds of research that we did in our fake studies and the grievance studies affair. Political education is about storytelling and examining narratives. SEL provides the necessary skills to examine the narratives that make up this nation's fabric, which they, of course, wanted to destroy. Particularly the narratives that have upheld anti-blackness, white supremacy, and other forms of oppression. See, SEL offers a foundation for turning knowledge and empathy into action. See, organizers exemplify this practice in their political education and participatory work every day. Giant letters, conversations about culturally affirming SEL must center LGBTQ plus students, girls, immigrant students, and youth with disabilities at the intersections of justice. Too often in conversations about creating inclusive school environments, those most marginalized by society are left out of the conversation. In SEL conversations in particular, much of the discussion decenters those who live at the margins of interlocking systems of oppression with multiple oppressed identities to create a, supporting, a supportive environment for all students. We, again, remember what all students means, just the ones they think are oppressed. We must concern ourselves with students that face multiple forms of oppression. See? For example, black girls, queer students of color, there's your special, special groups, to build a strong sense of self and collective identity and to create school communities that are inclusive and affirming, schools must ensure that all young people, we know who it all are, all young people feel a sense of safety. Remember, the privileged kids already have it, so they don't have to do that. They have to, in fact, tamp down on it a little bit. So that's a privilege. It's not SEL if it's discriminatory or if it's only culturally affirming for some young people and not all. That's particularly outrageous in light of what we just said. Giant letters, whole page. This practice redefines who has the expertise to produce knowledge by using research findings to contribute to societal change that directly impacts communities. I'm not going to go through this entire section. Let me just tell you, it's more of the same stuff. Lots more, though, about the GSA network. I should read that part, I guess. Lots about LGBTQ transgender nonconforming students, um, Latinx, GSA networks, network, GSA, what's GSA? It used to be called Gay Straight Alliance. It's sometimes still called Gay Straight Alliance, but now it's often called Gender Sexuality Alliance in schools. GSA network works to protect and expand access to GSA clubs and schools. See, it's just to get people into the clubs where they brainwash them. They That's where they love bomb you after they convince you you might be queer in your classroom and then send you to the club after school or let you join it. And then they love you, bomb you there and join you and get you into the queer cult. GSA clubs are student-run organizations because the teachers probably can't run them that bring together LGBTQ plus and allied youth to learn about and organize around issues that directly, sorry, that affect their communities. They provide a safe and protective space against harassment as well as a space for activism and direct action. It's communist. Just the presence of a GSA improves connections to the school experience among LGBTQ plus students, whether or not they participate in the GSA. They give lots of examples like this, something about juntos, about ICE and the police, something about, like I said, lots of stuff about Californians for Justice and suggests investing in staff by having LGBTQ slash TGNC support liaisons to have someone LGBTQ plus young people could go to for support. Okay, groomers. 
they're going to say, no, 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 they're LGBT people. You're calling groomers. No, 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 no. These people are talking about queer theory. This is, this is groomers. Young people should never be separated in classroom activities by, quote, boys and, quote, girls, but rather use LGBTQ plus inclusive and gender sensitive curriculum and language. See, because otherwise LGBTQ young plus young people won't feel seen, valued, and affirmed. Schools should have gender-neutral bathrooms. The physical space must be inclusive and safe. The curriculum should reflect queer and trans history and contributions. I literally put that paragraph through a blender, but you get the idea. The oppression that black and brown girls face are at the intersection of race, gender, and sometimes class sexual orientation, disability. Other identities are often unaccounted for in conversations about culturally affirming SEL. Blah, blah, blah. Right? You're getting the idea. I'm going to read through kind of the bold page. We're only on page 42. There are 58 pages of this, night, of this nightmare. Schools have to be places where we don't just survive but thrive. To survive is not is to not live at all. It's technically not true um, in a literal sense, but this is the kind of thing that they push. Um, lots of the same. Okay, SEL uses transformative justice. Organizers show us that schools can be sites for transformative justice rather than punitive justice. Restorative slash transformative justice creates a practice, sorry, a proactive opportunity for community building rather than a reactive punitive space. In other words, nobody ever gets punished and kids are out of control. And they give examples of how great this works by dreaming your own school through the Urban Leaders Academy, ULA, no, sorry, Draw Your Dream School. Even in the virtual space, they go out, reimagine everything. Teachers Unite in New York City, same organizations again, host cohorts of educators and young people to organize to dismantle the school-to-prison pipeline by, I guess, making them work in the garden like they do when they get suspended, like they do in prisons. Um... In Kentucky, citizens of Louisville and United Together Clout has successfully organized for and won district-wide implementation of restorative practice in Kentucky's Jefferson County Public Schools. I bet you if you watch crime and issues in those schools, I bet you it just goes up from here. Except you won't be able to track it because under restorative justice practice, they usually don't record any of it. That's how they actually show that they're success they're succeeding at it. Um, talk about Chicago schools, another picture of a bunch of slobs and, and casual clothes during a conference, rethinking safety, dignity in schools campaign, After page after page after page of this nonsense, what they did in Alaska. States and districts must connect social-emotional learning laws, policies, and grants programs to culturally affirming school climate safety laws and policies. Here we go. Let's do another piece here. We're not going to go through the whole section. Oh, actually, this short section. Organizing is SEL. Uh, what does organizing mean, guys? Organizing means communism. It means getting together as activists to take direct action, to plan and ex- execute mass action campaigns. As evidenced throughout the Radport, organizing is SEL. See, SEL and organizing, which is community organizing, which is code for communist organizing. SEL and organizing are synonymous. It is the moments of relationship building and trust building that are necessary to build a base. SEL is about building a activist base, really a movement base, create strong communities that are centered in love and respect. Those are co-opted words and holding space to heal from our individual and collective trauma. 
It is knowing our emotions and being able to name them without ridicule to understand the fullness of the human experience. It is taking cues from young people, learning about their talents, strengths, and communities, and ensuring that their experiences are reflected and centered in the curriculum. It's political education that develops social awareness so that history does not repeat itself. Oh, yeah. The Maoist history is about to repeat itself under this program. Iron Law Book Projection never misses. It's a campaign, it is, sorry, it's campaign building and direct action in service of a world that does not yet exist. One that's rooted in equity, justice, joy, and love. It's restorative and transformative justice that creates a container for relationship building so that learning can occur. It's communal care and an illustration of the Zulu word Ubuntu, which means I am because we are. This is totally communist. When asked how SEL shows up in their work on a survey collected at the beginning of the community of practice, our partners replied, we have generated a curriculum to teach black and brown youth the organizing history and legacy, the school to prison pipeline, and a tool to teach them, uh, to help them develop a shared analysis around police and schools. We seek to engage them as history makers and see their organizing in this moment as a part of making history. Quote, everything we do is relevant to that. Building power, development of youth, how people see themselves. Quote, as an organization, we are significantly culturally affirming. Uh, work is race-driven and connected to culture. We pour libations. What? Open and close meetings with seven harambes and use colors of liberation, red, black, and green. Serve and advocate black folks culture. Quote, it connects to how we build upon the winds of black communities, educating the Asian and South Asian community that the immigration work, fighting border closings, that's George Floyd, and the camps connects to the prison industry. It's what allows detention centers to exist. Quote, our vision of liberatory education is we don't have police in school at all. We don't use punitive measures to punish anybody. We don't think of anything as punishment. We know how to address harm in our community, and more than that, there's a space for young people to actually grow, be curious, understand, and make meaning about what's happening in the world, and not only make meaning, but also learn how to change things on a structural level, how to actually transform. That's our vision for liberatory education, and that's always been. This is communism. This is turning schools into insane asylums for children instead of learning environments. And the purpose is to bring them into brainwashing for communist organizing and action. SEL is organizing, they said. In all caps on its own page, or not all caps, big giant words. What world do you want to dream into being? Believe it or not, this continues to go on. Sustaining change, calls to action at the end. I won't go into the details. One, follow and support organizers' leads and demands. Okay, directly. Give us power. That's what they're saying. Straight up. One, their calls to action. Number one, follow and support organizers' leads and demands. Two, fund organizing. Give us power. Give us money. Three, eliminate policies that perpetuate the myth of racial hierarchy and develop policies grounded in belonging and brilliance, which I'm sure are bullshit terms. Four, 
Assess how SEL as policing may show up in your work. In other words, more self-reflection, more criticality, more listening to them, more giving them power, more adjusting according to what their consultants say. Five, center culturally affirming SEL practices in classrooms, schools, communities, policy, and philanthropy. And I will not... Actually, we might be at the end. So read this thing on page 50, which is a, the sidebar to another image. The work is far from over, and we cannot wait. Remember when they told us that urgency was a attribute of white supremacy culture? The work is far from over, and we cannot wait. SEL has become another tactic to further criminalize, punish, and police black and brown students in hardened schools. We know from our partners that young people, families, educators, schools, staff, and communities feel most safe in a school where they have deep relationships. Not from real research. They know from talking to the people in their cult that people feel most safe in schools when they're just like they believe they should be. We also know if SEL work isn't culturally affirming, it's not SEL. Take that, Castle. If we want to lean into the true promise of SEL to know ourselves, to know others, to know our histories, our joys, our pains, our spirituality, our land, we must ensure that schools, especially schools as they exist in the virtual space, are built on relationships, equity, justice, and community. SEL can be a, a tool of decolonization and a path toward freedom and liberation when done with intentionality and love. We must all work to ensure community voice is centered in our schools and elevate the power of organizing to create long-term systemic and structural change. Join us in big blue italics letters. It's a cult. Join their cult. After this, there is, sorry, there, this is the whole document. That is the end. That is the conclusion. The rest is a community of practice curated resource list. So I already gave you the summary. What's this crazy document about? This crazy document is about training, or changing our schools into culturally affirming, social-emotional learning, insane asylums for our kids that identify the point of education as organizing for Marxist praxis. Critical consciousness must be at the center. So why are we talking about this crazy document? Well, because it was sent from an organization that is an astroturf organization with lots of left-wing money behind it, big money donors, Soros, Novo Foundation, Ford Foundation, lots of big money behind it, Arabella Group found, uh, donors, with lots of big money behind it. It's an astroturf organization that's mean that's working to um, tell us that even just a couple of years, even one year into the existence of transformative SEL, it's not radical enough. It has to transform into something even crazier, even wilder. It's the dialectic of social-emotional learning. Social-emotional learning is crazy left, is crazy radical, is crazy Marxist, as transformative SEL is, has to be dragged even further left than Castle can take it. We have tons of explicit examples given throughout this of extremely radical programs already happening in many states, including red states, some of which might be illegal, probably are illegal. What the hell is intergenerational pillow talk? What, what, what's going on in Louisiana that's in New Orleans? What What is that? Right? And moreover, we know that this document was sent to... With all that donor money behind this, 
knowing that the Communities for Just Schools Fund is part of that giant donor network, was sent to Biden's Department of Education in May of 2021. And we know that Biden's Department of Education is talking at least about similar issues with social-emotional learning. And we know that that represents a threat. This is kind of the, the, the leftist horizon for the social-emotional learning catastrophe. The only upshot of it is that it's challenging the explicitly new age spiritualist goofball spirituality and education program of Castle, but it's to take it out of those hands and to put it into the hands of people who are quite explicitly Black Lives Matter type flavored Marxists. I don't know that they're affiliated with Black Lives Matter. I'm not saying they are, but when, you know, Whichever one of the BLM girls, I think it was Kalora, stood on stage and said she's a trained Marxist, that's what these people are. And they're heavily astroturfed by big left-wing dollars. So it's very likely that the Department of Education will at least take the ideas in this seriously, and thus it's a matter of concern, even if they do not. The NEA Foundation was one of their funders, by the way, too. The National Education Association, the teachers' union, is funding this crap, too. It is very important that we realize that this is the um, arrow, if you will, that's being shot out of the boat to drag social-emotional learning even further into the catastrophe that it is, the leftist catastrophe that it is, even further into the Marxist, to the explicitly Marxist, the explicitly critical consciousness raising and centering, the explicitly radical, the explicitly community organizing, the explicitly based on the Black Panther Party's demands even including to make their own rules, including intergenerational pillow talk uh, in New Orleans. So that's why we should care about this. So this is a glimpse at, it's like a glimpse out of the left window is to see where SEL might get bent. And it's not a glimpse into just something so ridiculous and radical that it bears nothing. This was sent by an organization with large amounts of money. It's an AstroTurf partnering organization with large left-wing donors to a to the, the Department of Education directly and compelling them to take it seriously because the existing transformative SEL doesn't center critical consciousness and organizing praxis enough. It's not Marxist enough. And that donor base, of course, the Democratic Party and their apparatuses are going to recognize who they are and what this is about. And that makes it a matter of serious concern. It's not a glimpse out the left window into crazy town. It's a potential glimpse out of the left window, at least to one expression of the next step in the dialectic of SEL, which we need to take seriously. <laughs>